77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Rescue operations continue across southern Turkey and parts of northern Syria after two powerful earthquakes hit the region early on Monday. At least 4,800 people have been killed across the two countries. The World Health Organization is warning the death toll could rise eightfold. George Santos is strongly denying allegations of sexual misconduct. Derek Meyer says on January 25th when he was alone with Santos in his office that Santos put his hand on his groin, then invited him over to his house that evening. Meyer says he pushed the congressman's hand away and left the office, he says his job offer was rescinded five days later. If there was remote any part of that that were true, he should have led with that. 4,689 people crossed in the month of December at Roxham Road, the illegal border crossing that's been up and running for, well, now into its sixth year. Uh, those who are seeking to go somewhere else, not we're pushing or forcing, we are helping in the reticketing process, uh, and we are uh, there for them as they continue to move on with their pursuit of this dream. The wind is cold against my cheek. I got this fear inside of me. Walk down the stairs into the street. St. Leonard Foyer at 6.04 on your Tuesday morning back here on the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City, the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. That's me, that's us. Sitting friends in the morning on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And it's a big Tuesday, of course, because later on tonight, the president of the United States is going to lie to the American public for about an hour. Just going to lie. Everything is great. The economy is great. And foreign policy is great. And the Chinese are scared of us because we shot down their balloon. And things are fantastic. Never been better. So that's going to happen later on tonight. We'll bring on a bunch of guests today to uh, to talk about that. Andrew Giuliani is back in studio sitting in with me again, which is great news. But I want to start with uh, Philip today and the Brooklyn Nets. Of course, they dealt Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks a couple of days ago. And uh, Kyrie is yet to play yet for the Mavs. But the Nets did play last night. Cam Thomas, if you haven't heard that name, I don't blame you. Cam Thomas put in 47 for Brooklyn last night. He put in 44 the game before that. So in the last two games, Cam Thomas has scored over 90 points for Brooklyn. Cam Thomas. So the Nets did lose last night despite... Thomas has 47 points. Now they're 32 and 21, still 11 games over 500, and the four seed inside the Eastern Conference. But the big question is, what will Kevin Durant do? Durant came here with Kyrie, part of that big three. You had James Harden. You got this waste of time and money, Ben Simmons. 
What will Kevin Durant do? Rumors, maybe the Boston Celtics, maybe the Phoenix Suns. The back of today's New York Post reads, here's the skinny. KD needs to stick it out with Brooklyn through thick and thin, man. And a whole story about how Kevin Durant should stay. So I'm going right to my NBA source, my Wojo, if you will. And that is Macedonia Phil, who loves the NBA like my son Gabriel does. Philip, Kevin Durant, should he stay? Two different questions. Should he stay? Will he stay? Should he? I'm not the one to make that decision. I Probably not. The The future is not the most... Bright well, why would the New York Post write he should stay through thick and thin? What's the? Why would a New York publication want one of the number one superstars in the league to stay in their market? No, but they're not saying we they want him to stay. Oh. They're saying Kevin Durant should stay. Why, why would Kevin Durant have any loyalty to the Nets? He came with Kyrie. Kyrie's gone. It's been a disaster for the better part of four years. So why does anybody expect that Kevin Durant, for the most part, by the way, is a complete jerk-off, should be um, loyal to the Nets? Well, it helps that he has four years on his contract. Okay. So he can't like really... You know, just walk away in free agency. Kyrie had that leverage. He was a free agent. Right. Impending right. free agent. He could have just said, I'm right. not re-signing. Which, which makes it more difficult to deal with Durant because he's not a baby. There's a ton of money left on that contract. A ton. So it's not as easy as, well, he's one of the best players in basketball, one of the greatest of all time. Just deal him out and it's going to be easy. Not that easy, right? No. I, I, if anything, I think his contract helps him in okay. trade talks because that, that makes teams have some sort of security. They're not trading away their entire future for a guy who might walk away, like what the Dallas Mavericks just did. Right. If if they trade for Durant, they know they have X amount of years left with them, and that's you know that means their championship window is open for X amount of years. Oh, stop it, championship window! They couldn't do it when they had all these great players. Well, I, I think mean, Kevin Durant can do it by himself. It's a window. I will. If it's there's no like, window, the window's closed. If a team like the Miami Heat, the window's the, closed. Well, in in Brooklyn, maybe. Yes, it, it depends. I think. No, it doesn't depend. Listen, Capri, no, the window is closed. They couldn't get it done with him, Kyrie, and Harden, him, Kyrie, and Simmons, him, Kyrie, and DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, a host of others. Kevin Durant cannot win a championship by himself. The window is closed. So the question becomes, do you just get rid of him, start over, stockpile draft choices? They picked up a bunch yesterday in the Kyrie deal, a 2029 first-rounder, a bunch of second-rounders, and start over, get rid of all these malcontents. The window's closed. Well, I think they might use that pick... Uh, that 2029 20, unprotected first rounder to acquire someone else before the end of the deadline. Okay, I think which would help Durant in in, in right. the long term. And the deadline which, is tomorrow, tomorrow uh, Thursday. Thursday. Uh, Thursday. And the only names, and we'll move on to talk about important stuff. Any names that they could acquire? <laughs> what do you mean important for this 2029 <laughs> this pick? Any names out there? Yeah, we're well, talking out. about this in the State of the Union tonight. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah I guess so. Thing. Give me a name out there that I, they can get. I think the one they're going to be targeting most is Pascal Siakam in Toronto. A great player. He's he's fantastic. Great player. Probably, I think he's a better player than Kyrie. Well, well, no, he's not. Whoa. I mean, I mean, don't say stupid things. It's I, too early is. in the morning. No, he's not. By the way, Kyrie Irving. And nobody dislikes that guy more than me. Nobody in New York radio has taken more shots uh, than me over Kyrie. He's a magnificent player. He's not good. He's not great. He's magnificent. The guy you're talking about is a very tough, strong, nice player. Kyrie is one of the best guards of all time. I'm telling you, he just is. Here's here's one reason I think Durant may have to think about staying, potentially. And if you think about Durant's... Two championships, right? He's doing two championships. They both win, been on Stephen Curry's team. 
He's never actually led his own team to a championship. Never. I'm not saying that's going to happen in Brooklyn, but it's if not. he goes somewhere else to a team that's already pre-baked, ready to go, and is that really his championship? That doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Not, he, he, the guys just want, guys just want to win. I mean, look, uh, Durant, you're right. Durant uh, won two with Curry, right. got to the finals with Harden and Westbrook in Oklahoma City and lost to James and the right. Miami Heat. That was his team. Right? That the was Oklahoma his team. City team but was it, his it doesn't team. affect his, his um, ratings in the history of the game. Kevin Durant is a top 10 player in NBA history. He's a great player. Yeah. There's no doubt but, about so, it. So you're right, though. He, he hasn't, he, he, Michael Jordan, you know, all the Jordan stuff, and LeBron James has an opportunity tonight to go past Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. He's taken on a Phillips, Oklahoma City Thunder. And if James puts in 36 tonight, he'll be the all-time leading scorer. And that, again, is bringing up the GOAT argument. Is it James or Jordan? It's Jordan. I think it's Jordan, it's too. Jordan. But people forget, when Jordan uh, uh, did not have Scottie Pippen, he won nothing. And then he got Scottie Pippen. And look, I think Jordan's the greatest player of all time. I don't think he's as skilled as LeBron James. I think James is the most skillful basketball player ever. But Jordan had that heart. He just wanted to rip your heart out. And he wasn't going to lose no matter what. But before he got Pippen, he wasn't winning. Yeah. So no yeah. one wins in the NBA Bird doesn't win without Mikhail Parrish. Magic doesn't win without Kareem. Well, none and of them Worthy. win. Of course not. Right. None of them can so, win so, without anybody. Right. So you yeah. need that complimentary great player. And Jordan did not win until he got Scottie Pippen. That's a fact. Uh, James has had great players, and he's won but did, championships in three different right. places. Didn't he get Scottie Pippen, though, like his second or third year in the league? He's third year. He's third year. He right? so, yeah. 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 sophomore season. Third year. Right. But he, but he became such a better player. Yeah, well, and Pippen's a top 50 player of all time, right? One of even the greatest defenders. That, even higher than He's that. Incredible. Yeah. I, I would Sid, put Scotty top 25. There is one guy that won without uh, All-Stars. Who was that? And he won two. Hakeem Olajuwon. That's true. Clyde Drexler. That's okay. true. Clyde Drexler. I mean, yeah, but he, he, wasn't, in, he, he wasn't, in, wasn't a great player. He came in the last year. Clyde, Clyde Drexler was a very good player. Players. They, 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 they voted one of the best seasons ever. One of the they best. Did, seasons he had ever a great year that year. Clyde Drexler is not one of the greatest players ever. But he's just not. I think they voted him in the. I don't care. I don't know if he's just not. The NBA do that. So your point is. So your point is correct. He never had a great player. on the dream team. He had one great year. Drexler. He's not one of the all-time great players. He had Vernon Maxwell. He had Otis Thorpe. He had all those types of guys. Kenny Smith, uh, the second year, the Barkley? second year. Okay, second but year. but don't forget that was. Don't forget when they won that championship. It's because Jordan. That's when Jordan was out of the yeah, game. I know. And the Knicks were and right the there. The Knicks were in the uh, finals right. in '95. Jordan came back in '95, and they got swept by the Magic. Correct. Yeah. So when Jordan wasn't there, they won. It was just Hakeem, and he beat the Knicks. And uh, outside of Starks, who had a big game six, uh, Elijah won eight Ewing for lunch. And the Knicks couldn't win that game seven. Yeah. Uh, Jordan is in the league. Hakeem doesn't win. But your point is well taken. The years without Jordan, that was the one team that basically won on uh, on one guy. Well, but, wait, can we ask Phil this? This is the question, though, to ask yeah. about the Nets. Isn't it safe to say they made a mistake years ago doing what they did? I don't think so because they they energized Brooklyn. They got people excited about basketball Ex again. Except and they were building a team. They, yeah, they didn't a, win. They, they didn't win. They, they, you they have to take that chance. Way. They were on the way. They you had have to a, take that chance. And then they just took it apart. Well, look. They, you, they the, did the exact same thing when they traded with the Celtics, when they took those guys from the Celtics. The exact same thing. Well, it's, it's much different with the Celtics because you took in, like, an old aging Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett versus yeah. a prime Kevin Durant and a prime Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant was also injured. Remember, he came off those that, that major. Okay, James Harden was 500 pounds. They took him. I mean, that's not. He was good, though. He was good after he lost the weight and he went yeah. to Philadelphia. Listen, I, 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 think, I think the Nets tried. Uh, yeah, to your point, Mistake. Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce, 
were a little older, but it didn't matter. They were a better threesome than these guys were. What I mean is they were able to play together. There was some synergy there. These net players are so selfish. They don't want, yeah, they don't want the other guy getting any, they don't want giving up the ball. They want to give up the last. So look, I think they tried. I think it energized Brooklyn. I think it was good for a little while for New York basketball, but in the end, yes, it turned out to be a failure. Mistake. Yeah. Uh, State of the Union tonight, uh, Andrew, this is uh, the opportunity for the president to lie to the American (laughs) public, tell everybody how great things are, the economy is great, and uh, we're on a path of of a lot of hope and optimism and all those things. And we know that all this is is one big pep rally for every president, but this one is really going to have a hard time selling the American people that things are good. But that's what this speech is. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's one long pep rally for him and his party to convince America things are great. How does he do that? Well, let, let me tell you something that I ex- that I do not expect to see tonight. I don't expect Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, to stand up there and rip apart Joe Biden's speech. <laughs> Very good. The way that Nancy Pelosi did the last time that you had a opposite party Speaker of the House. Uh, I don't expect the massive protest that we saw time and time again that Donald Trump would give out, would, would, uh, give his State of the Union from the Republicans the way the Democrats would. Uh, but yeah, I can, I expect Biden to talk about the economy being good. I expect him to talk about national security being strong. I expect him to talk about giving tens of billions of more dollars to Ukraine, not addressing the southern border, maybe even saying that there's a solution that's there or the solution is here. What I'm really looking forward to seeing after the hour of trekking through Joe Biden's speech, if he can stay awake that long, (laughs) is Sarah Sanders. That's really what I'm looking forward to. She's somebody that I became close with in the White House, somebody who I think will be a great governor in Arkansas, somebody who I think one day will be a fantastic presidential candidate. You know, when you get to – I was thinking about this coming in today – when you get to a certain point, you've been around politics for so long, you want to work for people, people that you believe in. Sarah Sanders is one of those people that I would certainly work for to help get elected president of the United States. Not now, not in 2024. She's not ready for that. But in 2028, 2032, something like that, I think she's going to do a great job in Arkansas. And like I said, she'll give a great, she'll give a great, uh, rebuttal to the State of the Union. What's also crazy is, you know, the progressives are actually giving a rebuttal to the rebuttal. So you have Joe Biden going out there. Then you have Sarah Sanders that's giving the Republican rebuttal. And then after that, the progressive caucus is actually giving a rebuttal, which is kind of crazy that Joe Biden is actually getting a rebuttal from the left on this. Joe Biden is also still, excuse me, talking about the uh, the balloon. That is still a major story. He shot it down. Well, he shouldn't shoot it down. After eight days. <laughs> After eight days. And eight days. the Chinese collecting all kinds of really important information to yeah. come back and burn our ass. But, of course, Joe Biden took the credit. I shot it down. I, I was just waiting for it to go over the water so debris didn't hurt people on the ground. All those lies. Here is uh, Joe Biden yesterday, cut number one, uh, telling us he told the Pentagon to shoot the balloon down on Wednesday. On the balloon, I ordered the Pentagon to shoot it down on Wednesday as soon as possible. They decided without doing damage to anyone on, on the ground. They decided that the best time to do that was as it got over water outside within our within 12-mile limit. They successfully took it down, and I want to compliment our aviators who they successfully took it down once again if there was there for like a week collecting all this information. So one of the guys I really enjoy is John Kennedy. You like John Kennedy? Yep. Yeah, he's great. I, I love I love the way he's able to 
kind of put together these, uh, I'd say like these Cajun phrases, yeah, if you yeah. will, in, in the house. I mean, he's the best. So he's on Fox News and he's talking about how this balloon really showed our weaknesses. This Salu Rapino is John Kennedy, cut number eight, pointing out just how weak Joe Biden is. What this showcases is our glaring vulnerabilities. And what worries me is we have spent so many trillions of dollars on, you know, uh, programs that have been just ripe for corruption when part of that money should have been going to our own cybersecurity and infrastructure, keeping our power grid safe, uh, keeping things safe from sensitive prying eyes who have no problem violating our airspace. And it was one of the rare areas where people were truly united. Everyone you talk to, no matter what their political party, no matter their age, they were all watching this thing going, shoot it down. That was Lisa Booth on uh, Fox News, John, not John Kennedy. I'm looking for John Kennedy, cut number eight, saying the same thing, basically defense vulnerabilities and shoot down the balloon. I think it says here John Kennedy, cut number eight. I don't see Kennedy. You don't see Kennedy. Okay, that's fine. So uh, there's another war brewing here between Chris Christie and Donald Trump. The two exchanged pleasantries yesterday. Uh, I think Christie called Trump a loser, and Trump may have called him a fatso. I don't know. <laughs> very pleasant. So, yeah, very pleasant. <laughs> so with Joe Biden off of this balloon fiasco and the State of the Union coming up later on tonight, just in case you weren't sure why Joe Biden is delivering the State of the Union tonight right. and why Joe Biden is president, Chris Christie explained it yesterday. This is Chris Christie Lewis, cut number 11. I look forward to this. Chris, where Joe are you? Biden's president because Donald Trump lost. Joe Biden didn't win. And Joe Biden's never taken possession of that fact. And so he continues to do what he did when he was running, which he thinks was great because I won. No, you didn't win. Trump lost. And you can't change who somebody is, John. In the end, Joe Biden is not an exciting candidate. He's old, he's boring. And the American people are not relating to it. The, so, succe- yeah. the succession music makes him actually sound good. I didn't actually hear anything that he said. It just sounded he, he good. He said that because the, of the, the reason why Joe Biden is president is because your friend Donald Trump lost. I would say that uh, I still have many questions about the 2020 election, as so many of our listeners do, as so many people around the country do. And I understand that Trump continues to focus on this time and time again. And I think probably one of the things that he needs to do is to focus more on his successes throughout his presidency and his plan for 2024 and what's different. Now, what we continue, I think, to go back and forth with, and there's certainly friends of mine that say, you don't talk about the 2020 election enough. No, I think we talk about it certainly probably more than enough, and I think we probably turn off many independents that don't want that to be the only message, or many even blue dog Democrats that don't want that to be the only well, message. I can tell you the this, you're, is, you're turning off this conservative too. I'm tired of hearing about it. Because well, no matter what you guys say, there is no way you can prove to me that that's why Trump lost. I, I do think there were some shenanigans. I do think they definitely cheated. But no one can prove to me that that's why Trump lost. And to continue to do this three or four years later, from a Republican, a conservative, I've had enough. Well, look, that's why the courts dismissed it in a short time period, right? I mean, they looked at this in a, t- in a short time period. If you had a longer time period to do this, I think between what you saw with uh, the geo-tracking, I think between what we saw actually in these swing states where you had 
laws that were changed where you could have just uh, you could have uh, mail-in balloting that happened at any point right here. I mean, they were ultimately allowing laws in the United States of America, in Michigan, in Arizona. That they wouldn't allow in foreign elections. And Jimmy Carter signed off on that in 2005. So there were absolutely more than shenanigans that went on. But there needs to be a focus on what Trump can do, because if he continues to focus publicly solely about 2020, and this is going to piss people off, they're not going to he's not going to be able to get the independence he needs to in 2024. He privately needs to have a plan to make sure what happened in 2020 does not happen in 2024. He needs to ex- express that to his base without making it the only issue in 2024. If he could do that and that's juggling a lot, then he's going to have a successful candidacy and potentially be the 47th president of the United States. I will talk to his daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, on the show again tomorrow. She's becoming a regular sitting friend. Lara Trump will be here at 7.35 tomorrow morning to review the Joe Biden State of the Union address later on tonight. Big guest list today is always on a Tuesday morning. He's always fantastic, my dear friend Bo Deedle. He'll join me and Andrew coming up at 7.40. 8.05, another guy that Andrew worked with, a good buddy of his, good buddy of mine too, from Newsmax, Sean Spicer. And then coming up at 8.40 out of Rockland County, the great Congressman Mike Lawler talking about tonight's State of the Union. As always, the number, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Sid Rosenberg, Andrew Giuliani, Sid and Friends in the morning with St. Leonard's on your Tuesday morning right here in New York City. Friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. is the screening for Gemini Lounge, a movie I've been talking about for a long time. My first major motion picture. I'll be uh, doing my second coming up in March in Canada. But um, this one was really exciting for me last year, last March. Went out to Los Angeles, stayed in Beverly Hills, and worked with Danny A. and Lucy Hale, who's got 25 million followers on Twitter, and Emil Hirsch, and all these really big Actors, Bo Deedle is great in this movie. I mean, great. Robert Davi. This goes on and on. And it was a um, an amazing week. It really was. And uh, Bernie, God rest his soul, was still with us. And he hosted the show while I was in Los Angeles. We are coming live, by the way, this morning from the Bernard McGurk Studios here on ABC. 
We used to have a sign that said that, but I guess it fell down. I don't know. What happened there? <laughs> no idea. It's yeah, done. We'll have to nail it in next time. I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, mean, I just looked over to see it, yeah, and it's not even there anymore. So, Did Sliwa take it or something Thanks for the like memories, Bruce. Um, so, I wake up this morning, and Danny A. is the guy that uh, wrote this, directed this. He stars in this. Great young actor. Best friends with Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, Toby McGuire, guys done a bunch of really good movies from Mobtown to Lansky to The Irishman, all these uh, great deals. And uh, he sends out a an Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, like uh, 2 o'clock in the morning because he's in California, so it's earlier there. Right. And it's uh, a list of all the names. He tags all the actors' names, including me, in the Gemini Lounge, and he said, excited to be in New York on Monday night for the screening. He'll be live in the studio, by the way, at 9.05 on Friday. And big, big news coming out today, which is today, right. about Gemini Lounge. So I'm all excited now to find out. He kind of intimated to me that the movie will be in theaters across America on or about June 1. Okay. So this is going into theaters. Too, oh, right? yeah. It's not going to be released to streaming because I know a lot of Both. stuff has happened. Okay, Both. But, but they're going to actually do it in theaters. In theaters. Because if I'm going to watch you on the big screen, I want a big bowl of popcorn. <laughs> I should probably want to go to those movie theaters that serve alcoholic beverages. I'll oh, yes. i an alcoholic beverage. I used to be a member of that down in, um, in when we lived by Wall Street, Danielle and I. Right. The uh, uh, IPIC Theater. Yeah. And they, they have food and booze yeah. and all kinds is, of cool is stuff. That, is that the one by the South Street Seaport? Yes. That's the one by it's the in South, the South Street yeah, Seaport. That's, that's a nice one. They I went very to a nice there a one, months yeah. back. It's nice. I think the last movie I saw there was Black Panther. Really? Because we moved to the Upper West Side, then COVID came. Right. So we stopped going downtown. But now that I'm moving to your area, yeah. Battery Park, yeah. you and I are going to be neighbors. I know. Like literally neighbors. Yeah. I know. I hope. I hope this relationship still lasts. I mean, this is like we're moving in together now. <laughs> no. I don't know if this is going to keep up. I mean, it worked when you were in, you know, the Rockaways when Bell Harbor, yes. and I'm over in Battery Park. But close. now that you're moving to my area. This is too I don't close. Know if this yeah. is going to work. Well, you, it's funny you say your area when, when uh, all the way back in 2001, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, but after 9/11, Danielle and I were living in a really small apartment in Chelsea, 21st Street and 8th Avenue. Right. Lou, you remember those days when you would take us back to the little apartment in Chelsea, and you and I would go to K-Bars <laughs> accidentally, but we did. Um, I sort of remember. <laughs> no, of course yeah. I remember. So, yes, who yeah, and Danielle's gorgeous. And now we've been going back like 20 years ago. Right. And we walk down the street, and she go, this is the only block in the world where more guys will look at you than me. This is it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. There, there might be a couple of those in the West Village, yeah, too. Maybe, I, maybe. There might be a few of those, but yes. So we lived down there, and uh, it was a really small apartment. No kids. We had a dog, Lucy. And uh, 9-11 happened. Right. And we wanted to move to Tenafly, New Jersey, but we needed one more year or two years of another New York City apartment. So we started looking in Battery Park, and we saw a specific apartment that ordinarily went for $4,000 a month. Really big apartment, Andrew, on the water, overlooking the Statue of Liberty, yeah. you know, the whole thing. And because they were still finding skin, yeah. literally uh, epidermi on air conditioning units, people ran out of there. Right. That $4,000 apartment went for 1800 Yeah, and I grabbed it. <laughs> <laughs> so I lived in Battery Park in 2001 into 2002 right. before moving to Tenafly, New Jersey. So this will be my second foray into Battery Park. Okay, well, we're happy to welcome you back. Thank, thank you Battery very much. Park over here. Thank I you. Hope, I hope we, uh, you know, it's only going to be four months. I think we can get through a white knuckle the four months. Yeah, only four here, months. So It'll be early in the baseball okay. season. Yes. So for about two months, yeah. I'll be commuting to Met and Yankee games. Okay. 
I like that place, uh, uh, PJ, um, PJ Clark's. That's great. Right when on the, the water. It's good. It opens. It's beautiful. Gorgeous. I love it right there. May will be okay by then. May will be really nice. Right. You get some good days in April too that'll yeah. open it up. It'll yeah. be really nice. No, it's a good spot. And the North Cove Marina there where they have Brookfield Very Place. Pretty. Brookfield Place, the nice thing. And my wife loved this last year when we had a newborn baby, right? Because, you know, she's still take, keeping the baby inside. The baby's a couple weeks old, month old. She'd go into Brookfield Place and you have the sunroof. There. Yes. So the yes. sun would come yes. in. So yes. it'd be nice and warm. Yeah. She loved it there. Yeah. But you could walk spot. right there by the water. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Danielle will run there, obviously. Right. And she could walk there with Grace. And yes. It's lovely. It's beautiful. We it's actually have a, uh, the building we're moving into has a really good Mediterranean restaurant. Yeah. Downstairs. And you've got the Oculus there, which I yes. think was like uh, three times over budget or something like that. It was supposed <laughs> yeah. to be like a no. billion dollars. Turned out to be four billion no, or something. come on. But it's very nice. It is at beautiful, the, at yes. The four billion dollars more. Than it happens be. to be one of the newest and nicest areas of Manhattan. You know, what I didn't realize when we lived in Fidei, when we first moved back to New York in 2017, and that's a lovely area, too. Yeah. We live by Hanover Square and also a couple of blocks away from the South Street Seaport, all that stuff. Didn't realize that Fidei is actually the oldest. You got a place like France's Tavern, right? Which is a place where George Washington and Thomas Jefferson yeah. actually signed treaties. It's still open, even after the FLAN, whatever it was, FALN bombing there. And uh, it's actually the oldest and newest part of Manhattan. Oldest and newest. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that makes yes. a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, one of the best documentaries, like twenty hours combined, one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Uh, is the New York document documentary done by uh, one of the Burns brothers, not Ken Burns, but whoever Ken Burns' brother was. They do a great, great rundown of the early part of New York, going from Henry Hudson coming down the Hudson River nice. all the way through that, how Stuyvesant was really able to take a New York, which was completely unruly, and actually bring it back together, and is this, this enforcer. Uh, might have had some anti-Semitic things like Kyrie, uh, Kyrie Irving right there, but yeah. you know that's a whole other yeah. issue. I hope they uh, go right through your father, but saving New York well, as mayor. Here, here's the thing: the problem with that documentary, which I, I love the beginning part of it, but you get to like the, the, the 20th century, the early 1900s. All of a sudden, all the issues that were created in New York and were solved. We're all solved because of music and all solved because no. of cultural things. No, it didn't have true. anything to do with actually the person who was in, yeah. in charge and involved and making sure that our cops could do the job they could do. So there definitely is a liberal tilt. I think some of the historical stuff you look the first couple episodes yeah. are very good. You start getting into the 20th yeah. century, eh, a little lefty. Well, me. Ken Burns is very liberal. I yes. mean, his baseball stuff is outstanding. Yes. Outstanding. But anytime Kenny does a historical piece, right. it lean, it falls. Yeah. On well, the left. You can definitely see it in this. You can't see it as much when you start talking about the early stuff. That's why I'd recommend the first episode or two. Very, very good. All right, Andrew Giuliani, folks. We have uh, traffic coming up next. Don't forget the great Bo Deedle. He's going to stop by at 740. But right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Today's minicast is from my dear friend John Katsimatidis, The Man. Catch at night, 5 p.m. every weekday afternoon. It's a great show. And by the way, he got a ton of press. Catch, not for a catch at night, but for the catch round table. His interview with Governor David Patterson on Sunday was everywhere yesterday. Here last night on Catch at Night, John talks with my dear friend Bill O'Reilly. This is, of course, common sense. Democrats must rebel against the extreme left. The common sense Democrats in Albany, they don't have the courage. And I agree with you. Uh, to, to stand up against the extreme left wing of the party. There's no doubt about it. And the same can be said for Republicans as well. 
when you get into certain issues. Um, the advantage that Republicans have is that, that they're not actively undermining public safety, and the progressives are. Sit in friends in the morning, 77 WABC. The other thing is Chris Cuomo mm-hmm. and going after Sid Rosenberg. Terrible. So to, have you talked to Sid about this? I, that's all I do. We talk about this. So, so what a bully. He's just a bully. Chris so, Cuomo says, I hear you talking about bad about my brother. Do you want to fight for charity? Oh, my gosh. I mean, what was, what's he talking about? Is yeah, this well, gonna, he's I'm it's the only way he's going to get press. He's on that television station that has maybe five viewers. Right. So I guess he's trying to use his bullying tactics and his incredible muscle to go up against a beloved figure in New Who's York radio. one in the morning. Yeah. Sid's hilarious. I love him so much. Right. I think he should do it because I think he'd punch him out. Right. But, I mean, should we at, at this age be... No, you're right. ...be fighting in the hallways? It's just like, how old are you, Chris Cuomo, with your stupid... You know... Do you remember when Tucker Carlson used like, yeah. like a video in a loop showing uh, Chris, Chris Cuomo, Cuomo you know, with lifting his weights and thinking he's like a tough guy? That's all he thinks he is. That's all he's got. Right. Well, I guess we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm just <laughs> Would saying. Would you tune in? Would you pay for, to see that? No, I don't, I don't want Sid to do it. I think because Sid's doing great. Why would he lower right. himself? Lower himself to that. Yeah, to do it. I mean, it's to me. If you're trying to establish yourself, you're stuck somewhere in Wyoming and Chris Cuomo calls you out and you think to yourself, oh, this could be my big break. Right. I'll come to New York and beat up a Cuomo. <laughs> but for Sid, he's riding high. I wouldn't he is, go- right, exactly. But I think you should still talk about it because it's just yet another <laughs> example of those Cuomo brothers being bullies. Right. And that would be good. That would, that could. I would go and I would wear a weather bitch t-shirt. Because? Because Chris Cuomo apparently called me the weather bitch when I was going after his brother. Two of my good friends right there, Brian Kilmeade and Janice Dean. That was taken from the Brian Kilmeade radio show, which you hear every morning after me at 10 o'clock on WABC. But, of course, both are major stars on Fox News, Fox and Friends in the morning. So thank you to both Brian Kilmeade and Janice Dean. Janice would wear a wig. Yeah, weather bitch. That's what he called her. By the way, uh, last Thursday, I believe, four days before Cindy Adams the great Cindy Adams wrote that column in the New York Post. That was the last time I ever heard from Chris Cuomo. So whether it was Andrew or somebody at News Nation, somebody got to Chris and said, hey, listen, dummy, uh, first of all, you're not going to intimidate Sid. Second of all, Sid has a larger audience than you've got. Third of all, we see from the text that you physically threaten Sid first. It's in your best interest, Chris. To shut up, because there's no way in a million years that guy, after three consecutive days yeah. of threatening tax, all of a sudden stopped. Yeah. Somebody said, hey, stupid, cut it out. 
Yeah, it's got to, well, it's not the bigger audience because that's got to help him, right? Some people might actually tune in because he's talking about you, right? He's trying to use your popularity to yes. help his show, which is absolutely right. It's floundering. Nobody watches the darn thing. I think even oh, maybe when O'Reilly comes on, a few people watch. Well, he does. But, he, he gets but, good ratings. But, but nobody else, no. aside from that, nobody no, else nobody watches. Nobody else does. So, so I wonder, I wonder though, if the second thing you said is absolutely right, which is he threatened you. He's worried about that, so let's, let's just move on let's from this move in away, his mind, yeah, right? yeah. That's probably it. Could be. Andrew Giuliani, folks, 77 WABC listeners. William Shatner, that's right, Captain Kirk, will be appearing on stage Saturday, this Saturday, Feb 11. Oh, that's Is it? Is this with Moreno? Moreno? Yeah, yeah I believe Frankie? so. At Bergen uh, Performing Arts Center for a live, a live screening. This is written so uh, poorly. For a live screening of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Now, here you go. Yeah. To your point, Andrew. Yeah. Following the screening of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, 77 WABC's host of The Other Side of Midnight, I our friend it. Frank Morano, will join Bill Shatner in a special Q&A. <laughs> Frank, Frank Morano, who leads an over- overnight at this station. But no, the, he doesn't. Curtis does. It's, I don't know. Is it, <laughs> yeah. Look, you're defending Curtis now. Is it, it, is it included it. that Frank's going to give William Shatner a sponge bath? Before uh, probably so, that, yes, right. yes. Yeah, okay. Well, here's the good news. If you want to see Frank Morano and Bill Shatner, and who doesn't, I've got a pair of tickets right now. Call 1-800-848-WABC, and caller number 6 gets a pair of tickets to see William Shatner live at the Bergen Performing Arts Center this Saturday. That's 1-800-848-9222. Be calling number 6, and a pair of tickets are yours. Tickets are on sale right now at the Bergen Pack box office and bergenpack.org. Use the discount code FRANKNJ. Can't make this up. For a $10 discount per ticket, it's Morano and Shatner. Frank, good luck. A, a little, I love it. A little to the left, Frank. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. the Romulans used to do it. A couple of weeks ago, it. about the same time, Cindy wrote about me and Cuomo. Richard Johnson, who used to work at the New York Post, he did that paid six stuff. I believe it's at the Daily News now, Richard Johnson. And he wrote about Shatner coming on Murano's show. And to Frank's credit, Frank did an amazing interview. I mean, really great. And Shatner just kept lathering him with accolades. Right. He's like, you're the man, you're the greatest. Richard Johnson <laughs> wrote about it. Frank was so proud of himself, as he should be, because Shatner was on the station once before, and it didn't go all that right. Well. So, well, congratulations to Frank Morano. Well, well, Check you, out Frank and Bill on Saturday night. Well, you say Curtis kicks his you-know-what in the radio. Well, I didn't say that's what Curtis says. That's, that's what Curtis says. Yeah, I don't now, know. I haven't heard one guest who's come off with Curtis and, and just, you know, talk uh, that he, that Curtis is the best, but they come on with <laughs> yeah. Murano and they're like, "Oh my God, Murano over here!" Well, so, Curtis you know, doesn't Cur- do Curtis guess. is picking enemies well, with everybody. Curtis doesn't here. do guess. He doesn't do guess, Curtis. He does, no, he's no. he's all about himself. Yeah, and he, he's he's not picking enemies when he gained a third day with me. Right. So he he the one guy you want to be friends with outside of John. The one guy you want to be friends with at this station, it ain't Frank. It's me. Yeah. And Curtis is doing a very good job endearing himself to me. This, uh, evidence by three days a week now. Since last week, though, something's changed. Does he have something on you? That's what I want to know. Is something, is something, is something on him? He's got Lou, nothing. Lou, I feel like, knows where the bodies are buried because he crosses the, the streams here between you in the morning and then uh, Curtis at noon. Yeah, he's still here. I feel like Lou actually gets to no, see it all. I, what's yeah, going I see on. A, a more than a cross. Way too much. More than <laughs> he I'm sees kidding. more than he wants to see. Let's right. leave it at that. Yeah. As much as Frank sees, yeah. I believe, Shatner's body sometimes. So uh, tonight, again, is the uh, State of the Union. We're going to talk to both Sean Spicer and Mike Lawler in the 8 o'clock hour about this. 
And the President Joe Biden did speak yesterday about what he wants to, I guess, deliver to the American people, what he wants to accomplish later on tonight amidst all the lies. So play this. This is uh, Joe Biden cut number 20 about his big speech coming up later on tonight. Can you give us a sense of what you'd like to accomplish tomorrow night with your State of the Union address? Yeah, I want to talk to the American people and let them know the state of affairs, what's going on, why what I'm looking forward to working on, what's going on, what we've done. Oh, just stop this. Now, now let me ask you a question. Phil, sit down for a second. Diego, get up, please. Get up. Phil, sit down. Let me ask you a, uh, a question. What about that piece of audio made you think that that's going to make the show sound better? I'm just curious. Um, well, see, that was a, uh, a quality assurance error there, uh, <laughs> yeah. quality control. So you see a list of cuts. You don't ever bother to listen. All you see is Biden talking state of the union. You go, okay, good, settle like that. You don't listen, and then we play that crappy audio on the radio show. I, I made the mistake of entrusting my uh, coworkers. And who is that? Who is that? You need to call people out. Once, once you do name, that. Name and shame. Name and shame. Name and shame. Who that was, was that? That was a cut used from uh, the Rita Cosby show. So the, the folks. Rita Cosby. Oh, my goodness. Are you calling out one of the greatest of all time? No, she's won women awards. Rita did not pull those cuts. Oh, okay. So Rita's so no, she's, she's So who works with Rita that you want to call out? Um, I, I don't even know who's pulling the cuts Jim? at the time. Is it Jim? Who's Jim? <laughs> John. Throwing names on there. No, no, just no. Names They're throwing generic working. American yeah. names. Jack or Bob? Well. William? We're not going to do that. Well, do me a favor next time. Just, just yeah, listen yeah. to make sure. Was, uh, I know you're busy. and you do, and I know Justin's not here. You're doing the work of three men. And you're doing a great job. But great I am job. glad to know what Marine One sounds like on air. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what Marine great. One sounds yeah, like. Is that, that what it sounds like? Yeah, that's what I was like, this is not what it sounds like, Jack. Let's uh, get the, uh, the the lowdown then from KJP, because if you can't believe Biden, you can certainly believe her, Corrine Jean-Pierre. She was with some reporter yesterday talking about Biden, what he's going to talk about tonight. She says tomorrow she means tonight, because this was yesterday. This is KJP Lewis, cut number 22. Approach this speech, given the different dynamic in the House chamber tomorrow night with the Republican majority compared to his speech last year. You know, this is a Republican majority that's launched multiple investigations into his administration. How is he thinking of that as he goes to give this speech tomorrow night? Well, as you know, the president is heavily, uh, as I've said many times, heavily engaged in the voting process. When you when you hear the speech, you're certainly here. There will be no question that this is a Joe Biden, uh, Joe Biden State of the Union speech. Uh, So just want to make that really clear, but, right. you know, I want to get ahead of what you're going to hear know. from him. Uh, and so, again, it's going to be about ensuring our accomplishments and what we've done the last two years. He'll talk about that clear, clearly. He'll lay that out. Hopefully clearer and, than you. you know, and I've also said this before. This is a president that's incredibly optimistic, and he talks about the possibilities. He talks about uh, not betting against the American people. Uh, and so you'll continue to hear those types of uh, kind of uh, uh, themes in his in his speech. Fox News right now has got a piece running that the Dems have lost hope in Vice President Kamala Harris. She'll be there tonight. But what about the point that was made there, which is now you've got a Republican House, mm-hmm. not by much, but a Republican House. That was not the case last year, Andrew. Right. What does that mean in terms of optics 
later on tonight. Well, let's see if he throws some olive branches toward the Republican majority, right? One of the things we're talking about now is raising the debt ceiling. And uh, the, the media has referred to it as Biden wants it to be a clean raising of the debt ceiling. What that means is they're not going to pair any or Biden does not want to pair any spending cuts to raising the debt ceiling. That's not clean to me because it's going to get very, very messy when ultimately this bill comes due, whether it's in a decade, two decades there. Um, so let's see if there's any relation any, anything that he can throw to Republicans where Republicans can say, yeah, you know what? He, they're listening to me. I don't think so. I think he's going to double down the same way that Obama doubled down in 2015 when the Senate became Republican. Uh, so I don't expect this to be an olive branch to the middle just because he hasn't done anything over the first two years of his presidency that would say, hey, you know, what? this is something that we can do. I hate to burst your bubble. So I did there. But <laughs> I don't expect this to be a big night for Republicans, except when Sarah Sanders comes on, when I do expect it to be a rousing rebuttal. Right, that's the voice of Andrew Giuliani. Three more hours to go. We got a really heavy eight o'clock hour with some great guys. Sean Spicer, Mike Waller. Stopping by in the 8 o'clock hour. Bo Deedle, always amazing on a Tuesday. In fact, Bo is now on twice a week, every Tuesday and Thursday morning. Bo, who's also in Gemini Lounge, he'll be there Monday night, and he is great. He's a great actor anyway. He'll be here at 740. So more of Sid Rosenberg, Andrew Giuliani, and the crew. Sid and friends in the morning on a Tuesday only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Uh, out talking a lot last night about this cop, soft-duty cop that went to buy a car and was shot in the head by some lowlife. And they do have a person of interest in custody now. We don't know who this person is. But as the mayor said last night, and we all feel the same way, 
Odds are this guy's got a, a, a rap sheet as long as Kevin Durant's arm. You can bet on it. Whether it's 12, 16, 22, 35, this son of a bitch has been arrested before. There's no doubt about it. And Eric talked about the recidivism and all that stuff. He had a tough time saying it, but I know what he meant. So, yeah. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> that's fine. Shut up. We know so, he hates rats. So. He does hate rats, yeah. <laughs> so he, uh, he did speak yesterday about this violent crime. So let's start with that. Then we'll get to other issues with the mayor. Uh, let's go to uh, Eric Adams, cut number 25, Lewis. It is a very difficult challenge in all of our big cities across America. Uh, we have uh, done an amazing job with our anti-gun unit, a modification of police uniform and plainclothes vehicles. Thousands of guns removed off our streets. But it zeroes in also on what I've been talking about. 1,700 dangerous people are recidivists. I guarantee you when we catch this person, they will have a long a track record of violence in our city because that is what is fueling the violence. We will go after those guns. We're going to continue to cooperate and really align ourselves with the ATF and other federal agencies to stop the flow. But once we take a bad guy off the street with a gun, they cannot be back on our streets. And that is why the recidivist uh, challenge is so important. And I'm going to really look forward to partnering with the leadership in Albany and see how we can zero in on these 1,700 dangerous people. He goes on to talk more about getting laws passed in Albany with these people, the Andrew Stewart cousins, the Carl Heasties, and, of course, the biggest louse of all, the Governor Kathy Hochul. This is uh, Eric Adams, cut number 28. He highlights some victories last year. Obviously, bail reform, not one of them. But he highlights some victories and says maybe moving forward there'll be more. Mayor Eric Adams, cut number 28. Well, this is the beginning of the legislative uh, cycle and session. Uh, we know it's about conversations, and I, I, I'm looking forward to going to Albany. We had some real victories last year. People highlighted on one aspect of our agenda, but we walked away with some real victories, and we're looking forward to going up, showing the data, and having a holistic approach to public safety and how do we can go after not only the guns on our streets, but the dangerous people, and also how do we bottleneck our criminal justice system. Uh, and, and we believe that we can have a real holistic approach to doing that. I guess my question is, what were the real victories last year that he had in terms of coming back from Albany? I know he mentioned this on the show with you, but I just, it seemed like that was just kind of, uh, he was trying to gloss over what the biggest factor in New York is, which still, crime continues to go up. As we saw in January, crime is up in January for everything except for murder, which I said before, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, uh, is certainly you have to give credit there that murders and shootings are down, but violent crime spiked back up in January again. So this problem is an issue that he needs to get under control, and he talks about going up to Albany and having a conversation. Well, that time might have passed. He might need to go Albany to Albany and sit people down and say, this is what we're going to do, and if not, I'm going to use the weight of my office to make your life a living hell if you don't get this done, because the con- time for conversation is over. You are more likely to be the victim of violent crime right now in New York than you were under his predecessor. I'm not saying that he's a worse mayor he's than not. his predecessor. He's not. He's not. Right. But the numbers right now. No, you're right. It, even, that's what it says. Even Governor David Patterson said with Katsimatidis a couple of days ago, Eric Adams needs to get 
tougher. Yeah, Bottom absolutely. line, like you're saying, uh, Andrew, needs to go to Albany and just punch people in the face. Absolutely. Punch him in the face. Yeah. He did talk about uh, the migrant situation, too. He talked the other day about sending these migrants to Trudeau up in Canada. Now he's saying, well, not just Canada, other states as well. This, Lou Rapino, is Mayor Eric Adams, cut number 24. Uh, those who are seeking to go somewhere else, not we're pushing or forcing, if they're seeking to go somewhere else, we are helping in the reticketing process. Uh, what we found that people had other destinations, but they were being compelled only to come to New York City, and we are assisting in interviewing those who seek to go somewhere else. Some want to go to Canada, some wants to go to warmer states, uh, and we are uh, there for them as they continue to move on with their pursuit of this dream. So now he's doing the exact same thing that he criticized Governor Abbott for being racist. And DeSantis. Yes. Correct. Exactly. Right. He's doing the exact same, yeah, yes, he the exact same yeah. thing. And, and, so, and I keep saying this. Eric Adams has a lot more Republican tendencies than people even realize. He was a Republican, basically. At one point. Yes. So he has to play this game. His designs are in the White House. No matter what he says, that's what he wants to be. So he needs to keep his Democrat friends happy. And that's where he kills himself, because he talks out of both sides of his mouth. Completely. He will congratulate people like Joe Biden, who's the worst president of all time, mm-hmm. Kathy Hochul, who may be the worst governor, she's right there with Cuomo, mm-hmm. of all time. And then, like you said, he'll do exactly what DeSantis and Abbott are doing, and yet call them out. Yeah. None of that makes sense. Yeah, doesn't None at it. all. No, it's, and, and like I said, he called them racist for doing the exact same thing. You know, the thing I wonder, too, is he's dropping them off in Plattsburgh. Plattsburgh isn't like a mile away from the Canadian border. It's 22 miles, <laughs> yeah. and if anybody noticed the weather this weekend, it's pretty freaking cold. cold so yeah. I wonder yeah. if those are the migrants walking those last 22 well, miles. Well, is there like a... Well, what do you think ha- they're doing? Ha- hopping in their Lamborghinis? No, but what, 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 they got a Mercedes? But, that, but that's a tough 22 <laughs> miles to walk right cares. there. That's I'm sick of hearing about these people. <laughs> Just walk and shut up. Actually, you know, Can, at least the, the about the one right 26 now. miles in uh, oh. in Tokyo. The least they could do is walk 22 miles. At least Stefanik has called out Adams on this. I think she's on Fox right now talking about the yeah, exact same did. thing, and yeah. she's uh, she's been great on it. All right, Eric Adams, uh, well, the mayor, also spoke about the mental health plan yesterday, trying to get these uh, homeless people off the streets. So this is important for you. You want to listen in? This is uh, Eric Adams, cut number 26. Well, we are we are clearly, uh, I believe, in alignment with uh, New Yorkers. New Yorkers know people who have reached the point that they cannot take care of their basic needs and they are in danger to themselves uh, should be given the proper care. If you don't know that you are bipolar, schizophrenic, or you are not, you are not taking care of your basic needs. How could you make the right decision? This is a humane program that's not being led by police officers. It's being led by mental health professionals, and it is not something for anyone who's dealing with a mental health issue. It is a an individual who has reached a level that they cannot take care of their basic needs and they're in danger to themselves. Uh, that is the right thing and a humane thing to do. There are those who subscribe to the theory that these people should be able to live on the streets or in our subway system. I don't believe that, and New Yorkers don't believe that. Our last one here, Eric Adams, this is great. He gets involved in the Kyrie Irving discussion. You know, of course, uh, he kept Kyrie off the court. For a long time, because he he mandated that not he mandated, but the mandate was these athletes had to be vaccinated to play. Eventually, he caved, and Aaron Judge was in right field for the Yankees, and Kyrie Irving was playing basketball in Brooklyn. But for the longest time, Kyrie Irving uh, wouldn't play. 
he would not be able to play home games. And even though a lot of folks out there thought he did the right thing because they also believe, don't tell me to get vaccinated, the truth is Kyrie Irving screwed his teammates, screwed the Nets, should have gotten the damn shot, shut the F up, you're making a billion dollars to play basketball and go play. But uh, in the end, uh, that did bother Eric Adams. I know you feel differently. Yeah, I, feel I know. Differently I, I, I completely feel uh, that's differently okay. on that one. That's okay. Listen, Absolutely. I, uh, I know Look, you do, but it's, it's his body. Aaron Judge saw his this. body. Nothing stopped. Make a hundred million dollars. Go play and, basketball. And, Ky- and Kyrie Irving ultimately saw, I think, some of the studies. A lot of people are saying, hey, look, at, at some point when you're 25, 30 years old, why am I taking this when I basically have a great chance, not just of beating this thing, I get but it. not becoming sick of it? I get this. it. He made a decision, made a lot of money to play for the Brooklyn Nets. Right. Go play basketball. I'm not saying he's a good teammate. I think he was right on that call. Okay. I think he was wrong, and he's a horrible teammate, and here's what Eric I Adams had that. to say. I agree with that second. Cut number 27. If City Hall was a professional sports team... And you had a, a, an employee who gave you as much drama as Kyrie Irving has given the, the Brooklyn Nets. Would, would, and, and that employee said, could you trade me? Would you do the trade? I will find the team that beats us the most and send him to that team because then we'll start beating that team. It's about synergy and energy. No matter how much talent you have, your ability to interact with your colleagues is more important. One player can bring down the synergy of the team. And so I will send him to the team that beats us the most so we can start winning better. So Stephen A. Smith, Andrew. And uh, Jay Williams, the former Duke star, when yeah. he went to school, and uh, drafted by the Bulls and didn't last long after a motorcycle accident. But he makes millions of dollars now as an NBA analyst. They got into a really heated argument. Did you see this? Uh, I didn't see it. No. Oh, you're going to love this. Stephen A. Smith and Jay Williams yelling about Kyrie Irving. And uh, Stephen A. gets a little upset, which, of course, is in his DNA. <laughs> this is uh, Stephen A. Smith and Jay Williams yelling about Kyrie Irving. Lou Rapino, cut number 36. We put a different kind of onus on our athletes than we do, and you may mention that on your podcast. I, I, I don't deny that. Wait, so first off, I'm not the one. I don't deny that. I'm being sensitive. I don't deny that. But you're the one that seemed very emotional. Oh, right? my God. <laughs> go, ahead, Matter, Stephen. Well, go ahead, Jay. Come on, man. Go ahead, Jay. Come on, man. Go ahead, Jay. I'm not, I'm not sitting up here on national TV absolving Kyrie Irving of every every decision. I'm not going back and reaccounting every decision. I'm just saying how it's interesting to me. It just carries such a bigger momentum, in particular with you, more so than anybody else. You know what? What I would ask you is do me a favor. Stop telling us what you find interesting and just tell us what you feel. No, my job you, is to you, be you, you interesting. Say, you say, I find it interesting. You always say that. Say what you're saying. What are you saying? What did I just say? What are you saying? It seemed, what am I saying? I what, just said what are they saying? saying? <laughs> what is Which is, am I allowed to say what I find interesting? Of course Say what you say, what you say. Once again, you say I invite you on the show to say what's interesting. So they continue this. What were they talking about, by the way? Jay Williams, Jay Williams, I guess... Was defending Kyrie. Right. And Stephen A. Smith didn't want to hear it, I guess. So I guess Stephen A. was asking Jay Williams to be more definitive about how he's defending him. And Jay was saying things like, well, it's interesting. And Steve's like, what's interesting? Give me something that's interesting. Jay couldn't do it. One more cut. Stephen A. Smith, Jay Williams, courtesy of ESPN, cut number 37. He thinks you're too preoccupied with Kyrie, too hard on Kyrie. Did I bridge it, bridge it, Kyrie Irving last week before he demanded a trade? We were talking football. It's like a Eddie Murphy movie. How many times have I mentioned Kyrie Irving over the last few I don't weeks? Seem to be, I don't seem to be the one being triggered right now. Well, it's I'm always triggered. No, you're not. <laughs> oh, yes, I am. No, you're not. 
Yes, I am. No, you are not. Okay. I've seen you. No, I watch no, your no, show no, every so, day. So what right, do you, are we I work talking about Kyrie you. or is this personal? It, it seems it, personal. I don't want it to be personal. What seems personal? So. It seems personal What's for you. For me here? with Kyrie? Yes. You One all, million percent. You of all people with all the interest you have got the nerve to sit here in national television <laughs> and tell me I'm getting personal with a player? I don't lose no sleep. I didn't say you lose sleep. I don't sleep. lose any sleep over Kyrie. I didn't Kyrie say you lose sleep. I'm, I'm passionate about the subjects I'm passionate about. I don't accuse you of getting personal when you take the position. You have accused me of getting personal. Oh, my God. You have, Stephen right. A. Can, can I go on the court? I'm going to leave it. Can I go on the court real quick? Because I'd like to. Because when we started off. We both got a lot to say. All right. All right. You, you do? Yeah. You do? Okay, say guys. It, can I? Just say it, I'm not in here for that. He needs, here for that. Say it, he needs Mad Dog back to bring a little sanity to the show. All right. Okay. All right. Actually reminded me many, many times when me and Bernie would get into it pretty good. And I was always the one, like Stephen A, to raise my voice. Bernie very rarely raised his voice, and he would say, what are you yelling about? And I would get angrier (laughs) when you would say that. Even with my wife, Danielle, like when somebody is fighting with you and they maintain their calm, to me that's a lot more annoying than somebody losing their cool. It makes me crazy. So Bernie would be like, what are you yelling about? I'm like, because you just said something stupid. That's why. Oh, you're name-calling now. So that little Williams, Stephen A. Smith thing reminded me of many days with me and Bernard. One more, the uh, the, the Lakers, uh, I guess, wanted Kyrie Irving. And Scott Kaplan was in studio with me yesterday, my great, former partner. Way. Thank you. Great. And uh, he made the point that the Nets were not going to trade Kyrie Irving to the Lakers because that's where he wanted to go, and he's right. So the Nets found a suitor in Dallas, and Joe Tsai was willing to do that because the last thing he wanted to do was to give Kyrie what he wanted. But don't forget, many years ago, Kyrie Irving was a teammate of LeBron James in Cleveland with the Cavaliers. Everything I read said that by the time it ended in Cleveland, James and Irving, shocker, shocker, did not get along. But James now is in the, obviously, the nearing the end of his career. He's still great, still great, and can break Kareem's record tonight against Oklahoma City for the all-time leading NBA scorer. He'd like to win another championship, and even though there were differences with James and Irving in Cleveland, James would welcome Kyrie's talent to Los Angeles to help win one more championship. So he made the public statement when, in fact, Irving was dealt to Dallas, LeBron James, that he was disappointed. This is King James, cut number 35. Well, definitely disappointed. I can't sit here and say I'm not disappointed on not being able to land such a talent, but someone that I had great chemistry with, and know I got great chemistry with on the floor, that can help you win. Um, you know, championships in my in my mind, right. in my eyes. Um, but my focus is shifted now. Um, my focus is shifted back to where it should be, and that's this that's this club now, and what we have in the locker room. That's these a guys quick pivot, goes, LeBron. It's a quick pivot, quick pivot. It don't take me long. It don't take me long. I don't I don't get too excited um, about the possibilities of things that can be. I I, I kind of envision myself on what it can. But I don't, I don't invest it all the way into until I know what's happening. What's amazing to me is they might actually miss the playoffs this year. That's amazing to me. You know, picking back up on the Kyrie stuff and going back to the Adams stuff that we were talking about before, you know, the mayor announced, I think it was yesterday he announced, maybe it was over the weekend, maybe it was Friday, uh, that he is ending the vaccine mandate. I think it's at the, in the beginning of March. Yes. So what I wonder, <laughs> and you asked, this is the best question I thought of all the interviews that you've done with Mayor Adams that you asked. Uh, is he going to hire back those workers that did not get the vaccine? 
and why now? What ultimately was the reason that he thought that now is the time to actually end this? Because obviously, think? Uh, I think he's seen the data on this and he's realized that, uh, that it has so little effect when you talk about people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. And frankly, when the CDC commissioner comes out and says it does not prevent transmission, full stop right there, Sid, because now it's a personal health choice. It has yeah. nothing to do with what they're saying in terms of protecting everybody else. The CDC commissioner let the cat out of the bag when she said it does not prevent transmission. Okay, translate. Personal health choice. That's it. Later on today, the uh, the mayor will make a <clears throat> excuse me a cannabis related announcement with Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. That low life. The event is uh, open to the press, and after that, the mayor will travel to Washington D.C., where he'll meet with members of the New York congressional delegation and attend Joe Biden's State of the Union tonight. Are there free samp? Are they bringing the free samples from the uh, afternoon announcement down I, to the State of the Union? I, I wonder. Know. But <laughs> he's going to be there, Eric Adams, with folks like Paul Pelosi. Right. And you ready for this one? You're going to be hammered. The lead singer of U2, Lewis, your friend and mine, in attendance tonight. Bono. Bono. <laughs> How about that? You're not taking all that dope, are you? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of money in the weed business. A lot of lawyers out there are lining up to do those. Smoke I guess the uh, give them the uh, it's not contracts. It's uh, I guess the okay to sell weed in New yep. York City. So a lot of money in that business. Anyway, we got uh, a bunch of guests stopping by today. Daniel Nigro can't do it. His son is graduating from some FDNY school today, so he's out. But we've got uh, Bo Deedle coming up at 7.40. He's great every Tuesday morning. 8.05, Sean Spicer. 8.40, Mike Waller. And I'm sure we'll stick in a guest in the 9 o'clock hour. Sid Rosenberg, Andrew Giuliani, the whole crew. Sid and friends in the morning. We'll be right back. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. But first. No question there is a concerted effort to intimidate and silence conservative thinkers and replace our God-given individual liberty with big government controls. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is the leading conservative advocacy and benefits organization in America. AMAC gives you access to exclusive benefits and all kinds of great content. Please stand with AMAC at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. On this Tuesday, hot air continues to fly over the Chinese spy balloon. May it rest in pieces. As soon as the story broke over the weekend, the nitwits who could not care less about responsible perspective began to chant, shoot it down, shoot it down. That turned out to be the right call, although a number of things had to happen before the short-range missile flew. Number one was informing the Chinese government that U.S. airspace had been violated, then asking for an explanation, then informing the Chinese ambassador in Washington the explanation was ridiculous. How do you say, come on, man, in Mandarin, it wasn't a civilian aircraft. After those steps and the balloon drifting out to the Atlantic, the shootdown occurred. But wait. It seems American intel picked up the balloon over Alaska days ago, and the Biden administration kept it quiet until it hovered over Montana looking for vacation property. So why the delay? Because President Biden is not the decider. He is a front man who does what advisors tell him to do. 
And this balloon thing involved a bellicose country armed to the teeth with nukes. So caution was appropriate. But as public outrage grew, the Biden crew had to act. All Americans should understand how weak Mr. Biden is and that top-level decisions come from insider consensus, not the commander-in-chief. The Chinese and Putin surely know that. This balloon thing will most likely subside with no further angst. What will not subside is the chaos of the Biden administration. Back in a moment. If you are a timeshare owner, you're probably upset that your yearly dues continue to increase. Lone Star Transfer guarantees the release of all liability to your timeshare in writing and done in a specific time frame. They're the only company you can trust, having helped more than 18,000 owners legally and permanently get out. So please call Lone Star Transfer, 855-551-7066, or visit LoneStarTransfer.com. That is the Morning O'Reilly Update. More analysis later on. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. He'll be at the State of the Union later on tonight with Mayor Eric Adams, Paul Pelosi. There'll be others. Actually, the parents of Tyree Nichols, the young man that was murdered by the Memphis cops last week. They'll be there, too. That all comes your way tonight. So I had um, I met my, my former partner, Scott Kaplan, at the diner yesterday. He's another buddy of his from San Diego who does his radio show. And uh, this would be the time of year for me. All the years I did sports, I'd be preparing now to leave for the Super Bowl, I covered 16 Super Bowls. Um, I went to Los Angeles. I went to um, just about every Miami. I went to San Diego. How many giant Super Bowls that covered? Three Super Bowls? I only covered two. Two of them. Yeah. Uh, the, both against the Patriots. Okay. I actually only covered one. I did not cover the one in Phoenix. Okay. But I did go to the one in Indianapolis. Gotcha. But I, this is the time that I got I went three Pro Bowls, Honolulu with Scott, and did all that yeah. stuff. So we, he was talking to his agent, Rick Diamond, yesterday about going to Arizona, covering the Super Bowl. And I never really ever, I mean ever, have an urge to go back and do sports mm-hmm. ever on a full-time basis. We do plenty of sports on this show, just enough to steal a lot of Boomer Esiason listeners from WFAN. <laughs> uh, but I don't, I don't want to give it up. I went over the story in 2014 that I was yelling about Eli Manning and Carmelo Anthony, and people were getting mowed down outside of a Paris cafe. Right. and. Those type of things were going on. I couldn't stand it. So I never want to go back and do it full time. But this week, 
specifically, I do miss it. Yeah, you jones for it. It was great. I mean, I'd sit there on Radio Row for four or five days, and Bradshaw would walk over and name it, and Dan Marino, and go out to all these great parties. I always had the access to all the biggest parties in town. I was I was a beast on Radio Row. I mean, you had Mike Brancessa, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, all these great sports guys. Nobody got the guests that I got. Nobody. And if it sounds like I'm bragging, get over it. I am. So I miss it. <laughs> you like, this week was fun. Yeah, <laughs> People are yelling me all the time, stop bragging. I'm not going to stop bragging. Shut why, up. Why is that, though? Because I've, you mentioned Francesa. You yeah. mentioned Dan Patrick. Yeah. Why is that? Why Why is it that you were able to land some of these guests because, these guys weren't? Because, again, at the risk of sounding brash, I do the best interview, whether it's sports, right. politics, pop culture, entertainment. Nobody interviews like me outside of Howard Stern. Right. Nobody. And these guys remember. Yeah. So Jerry Rice would walk in and be like, hey, Sid, that was fun last year, or Michael Irvin, or, or Dan Marino, any one of these guys. And then I've got my own personal relationships with guys like Bill Sims, right. Lawrence Taylor, those types of guys. Yeah. And uh, all the all the guys that do the games, I'm very close with Jim Nance, mm-hmm. Phil Sims. Yeah. It was just fun. Yeah. So um, Arizona is beautiful today. It's about 79 degrees and sunny right now. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah. You got a pretty good game, Eagles and Chiefs. So I wouldn't have minded doing like two days. It would have been great with you, actually, because you're a great sports guy. You know, what I never did, I never ended up getting out to the... Have you done any of the games in Arizona? Have you covered any of the Arizona no, games? No, because I missed the giant Patriot one, so I've never been to Arizona. Never been to Arizona I've been that. to Arizona for other sports. Right. Uh, we stayed in Scottsdale, stayed in Phoenix, but never a Super Bowl in Arizona. Well, I've got a good friend of mine who's actually going to the game, and what he's doing, he's going Saturday to the Waste Management Tournament, which for yeah, those that aren't yeah. big golf fans, like 16th hole, they basically Huge. have 50,000 people. It's an absolute uh, crazy, yeah. crazy show is the best way to put it there. And then going to the Super Bowl on Sunday. Oh, it's going to be a mess because you've got that big golf tournament and the Super Bowl. Yes. Uh, not nearly much bigger in numbers, but uh, for New Yorkers, kind of what it's like when the Mets are playing a home game. And you have the U.S. Open right across the street. Yeah, I remember one of the cool stories. Phil Mickelson was in the hunt the year the Giants played the Patriots in Arizona. And because he's in the last group, and I guess there was a weather delay or something like that, he couldn't make most of the game. So on something like the fifth hole, he sees a kid and his father, and he gives his two Super Bowl tickets to the kid oh, wow. and the father to go That's to the game. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. yeah, Phil Mickelson. Uh, we got Bo Deedle coming up next. He's great every Tuesday. In fact, Bo Deedle is so great every Tuesday now he's on twice a week. We've added Bo on Thursdays as well. And again, he's in that movie Gemini Lounge, a bigger part than I've got. He's great. And we've got a screening coming up in New York City on Monday night. Also, traffic coming up next. But right now, it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today's minicast is from John Katsimatidis, that great show, 5 p.m. every weeknight, Cats at Night. Here he talks with Bill O'Reilly, and he talks about how common-sense Democrats must rebel against the extreme left. Freedom is when you have options, and in order to get options, you have to have money. And if the government is taking so much of your money that you cannot save any, you're living paycheck to paycheck, or you're in debt, your credit card bill is charging you 18%, you can't send your kids to private schools. You've got no options. You're not free. And this is what socialism and communism is. Everybody works for the state, not for yourself. And 
it's taken hold here in America. Well said, Bill O'Reilly. You're not going to hear that tonight from Joe Biden at the State of the Union. I don't think so. Very accurate, <laughs> Bill O'Reilly and John Katzmatidis. What a great show, 5 p.m. every weeknight, Katz tonight. And don't forget, he's got another terrific program every Sunday morning at 8, the Katz Roundtable. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. She keeps them always shunned on in a pretty cabinet at the cake, she says, just like Marie Antoinette, building a remedy for Chris John. Folks, just ahead of the great Bo Deedle, I'm asking you to join the 77 WABC VIP Club by downloading the app or going to wabcradio.com slash VIP. Enter now for this week's 77 WABC VIP Club prize. It's a visit to the 77 WABC studios to record a 77 WABC promo. Wow! Now's your chance to work with the best and record a real 77 WABC script. Join the 77 WABC family as every week we're giving away prizes to our 77 WABC VIP members. Prizes include live event experiences, celebrity meet and greets, signed memorabilia, concert tickets, and more. This week, once again, a lucky 77 WABC VIP member will be chosen to visit the 77 WABC studios and record a 77 WABC promo. Now's your chance to to work again with the best and record a real 77 WABC script. Sign up for 77 WABC's VIP Club by downloading the app or by going to wabcradio.com slash VIP. You'll also receive a special members-only newsletter and be automatically entered for a chance to win each week's 77 WABC VIP prize. Become a 77 WABC VIP like me. All right, 744 Tuesday morning every week and Thursdays now. The great Bo Deedle, the better part of two decades, one of the greatest cops in this city's history. He's gone on to become really a great actor, whether it's Gemini Lounge coming out in a couple of months, The Irishman, Wolf of Wall Street, Godfather of Harlem, Gravesend. He's great in all of them. And most importantly, for about 30 years, a dear friend of mine, here he is, joining me, Sid Rosenberg and Andrew Giuliani, my friend, the great Bo Deedle. Good morning, Bo. Hey, Sid and Andrew, my friends, how you doing? Good, buddy. Good morning. All right, we got a lot, a lot of news in the uh, in the papers and all around. And you know, the reality is, I did watch the Grammy Sunday night, and what? I almost, I almost did you sing along? One. Why would you do that? You hate and all these I, acts. I don't know. I like. I, I watched the episode four of the Godfather of Harlem, uh, <laughs> Tommy Lucchese, and then all of a sudden, I, I'm flipping the uh, you know the, the control there. And I came up against it. I said, ah, let me watch it. Then all of a sudden I saw this pig, this Sam Smith pig with his disgusting boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, transgender, Kim Pietras, whatever the hell that thing is. And then they had the devil and the fire in cages and people burning. It was so offensive. And then I actually saw on my friend with the bow tie last night, they had a clip of one of the other uh, um one of the other uh, videos where they were actually doing golden showers on each other. This is some pig, and all I can say is this is where we've gone. But one thing, my girl Lizzo, she looked great. She looked like oh, I knew you were a Lizzo. I I had a feeling. I pegged you for somebody yeah, who liked Lizzo. Like, no pun intended, like, by the way. She was on this dress. She had this dress on. She looked like a ton of aluminum foil. She looks great. She really looks great. And now, uh, now we got to really think about something going on right now, too, real fast. Is we got to pray for all those victims 
in Turkey and Syria. I mean, 7.8 magnitude earthquake. There could be tens of thousands of people dead. And uh, my heart and prayers go out to them. And that's something that we should all think about how lucky we are that that we're not victims of these earthquakes and all that. Really, really bad. And uh, last night I watched again about these e-bikes and about the fires. We just had another fire in New York. We keep hearing about these e-bikes setting fires in apartments, in garages. I don't understand why the police department, the city council, why they don't ban these e-bikes. Because some of them, like I said last week, they go 45 miles an hour, they run you down, and all of a sudden now it's coming out about that these batteries, and it was again, I watched again about this cobalt. Cobalt is the product that is necessary for these rechargeable batteries, and that's part of the lithium batteries and the main components. And in Africa, they showed videos of thousands of children digging with their fingers and hands to get this cobalt. Now, where are all the green people? Where's AOC? This is child slave labor to facilitate these batteries so we could drive around with battery-operated cars. We're worrying so much about green. Here we go. Children slave labor. Did you notice it? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. No, it's it's a great point. And we get all these batteries that you're talking about from China, and it is child slave labor, and nobody seems to care. Look, it's the same thing a ball with basketball players, right? You never yeah. hear LeBron James bitch about China, and they've got little kids making about 22 cents a week, right. making his sneakers, yeah. which sell for about $260 at the Nike store here in New York City. So it's right. the same hip- hypocrisy and yeah. the same prejudice. And so, in other words, if the cobalt is a stock mine in Africa, how are we going to run our cars? What are we going to Where are we going to plug them again? I mean, this whole green thing is a very good concept, but it has to be rolled out in a very smart way, not a switch way the way they're doing right now. With that said, with that said, my prayers are really going out for that young cop that got shot in the head. I heard it's a pretty severe, uh, critical injury. And and then all of a sudden now uh, we, we have our mayor that came out about the recidive criminals who've been arrested over and over. 1,700, 3,000, whatever it is. You know, I talk about it every week. The reality is this can be stopped with the guns. It can be stopped utilizing the United States Attorney's Office from the Southern and Eastern District where these guns were convicted felons. Anybody who's a convicted felon, everyone is a convicted felon. Prosecute them federally. They'll get up to 10 to 15 years if you're a convicted felon with a gun. What part about this? I've been yelling at the mayor, please, please, you want to go? You're going to go up to the Albany with those fools and you're going to try to pitch this again. You know what they're going to do, Eric? They're going to laugh at you. They're going to say, okay, Eric, go back and go sleep into the, uh, go to Brooklyn and go sleep on a car. Well, Bo, you you talk about it every week, and I hear Adam seems to be talking about it every week. But when are we going to see the action, right? When are we going to actually see the action of getting these 1,700 people off the streets uh, and into jail? You know, everybody says, oh, he's the mayor. He can't do it. That's bull crap. If he gets on and he meets, and I told him, I would become a consultant. I don't need a badge, a gun. I have a gun, but I don't need a license sirens on my car. I'd like to be the person that could go to the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District and the Eastern District and plead with them. We could deputize cops and detectives as federal marshals. We could get DAs that are doing nothing, 
deputize them as U.S. attorneys, and let's start prosecuting. That will make a wave across this country, and that will be the example across this country in every one of these cities that are being destroyed. And then I have to also, I have to apologize because, you know, last week people get really mad at me because I used the 10,000 blacks black-on-black crime. I have to apologize. It's not 10,000 blacks. It's the criminal element of 10,000 blacks that are being killed. I'm talking about the gang members and the criminal people. Uh, listen, 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 listen. Anybody who making you apologize, I mean, I had two guests on no, on I Friday. I had two guests on on Friday, Jania Butler, who I no. like very, very much. He's no. a legitimate dear friend. No. She's on all the time. And then I had this gentleman, Bruce Jacobs, who went from being no. arrested at 10 years old in Brooklyn to basically running Microsoft. Two of the most impressive African-American people you'll ever meet, and I made it very, yeah. very clear. Let's stop the nonsense. It ain't the cops. It ain't white people. Black okay. people kill black people. You don't have to go out of your way to say well, criminal black people because once you commit a crime, you're a criminal. Well, you know what, Sid? I understand it, too, but you know, there are good people, black people that go to work every day, take want to take care of their children, and it, it, it's like a thing in their head, and I do understand. I have a black gentleman that works for me, and I do understand. I said, but you can't say, tell me that 10,000 blacks are not killed by other blacks. He says, you're right, but all the blacks are not guilty of this. When you say black on black crime, mm. he feels as though it's being dur- Well, I'm mm. just telling you what I it's know. I'm tired of it. It's, it's like, if, if, God forbid, if God forbid, if you say that Muslim people hijack planes and crash into the World Trade Center, nobody said every Muslim person is bad. And the fact you have to preface every statement with that well, is ridiculous. Well, here's a perfect example. This New York congressman, Jamal Bowman, up, uh, comes from the Bronx or something. He's a racist piece of garbage. Racist okay. garbage. Go ahead. So what What he did was he actually sent out an email to all the people. He wants money. He said he was killed by white supremacists. I think there were five black cops when I saw the last time. This moron congressman <laughs> said in his email that he needs money and he wants people to contribute money because he said that this was done by uh, white America. This is what it's all saying. He wants money. This is the type of thing that's out there. But why isn't he jumping ugly with the black on black criminals, criminals killing other black? And Bo, why is he jumping out? Isn't that a great microcosm for why we have not solved the black on black crime that we see, not just in New York City, but in so many inner cities? In this country, right? It's all about the money. It all goes back to when you actually have somebody who comes in there, who looks at the crime, who figures out how to get their cops in the right positions in these places, and you take actually the patronizing that you see for so many of the politicians in these neighborhoods, and you take that out, all of a sudden, you see massive improvements in these neighborhoods. Right, but where is where are all the race baiters? Where are all the negative TV channels and all that? Where are we talking about? We're talking about... 10,000 people being murdered across this country, okay, by black criminals, black gang members, but they're black killing blacks, and that's the fact of the matter. When are we going to address? Because every year it doesn't stop. And then, like I said last week, this uh, mayor of Chicago has the audacity. She wants to be reelected. There were 2,500 people killed since she got in, another 8,000 shot. But when are we going to face reality about the real problem? And when you talk about it, oh, you're a racist at all. No, I'm not a racist. Because when I was a cop and a detective, I worked in all the minority communities. I picked up dead children. And you want to know something? Tonight, tonight's going to be a perfect example. This fool, a new poll just came. 
came out for Biden. Did you see the new poll? All of a sudden, back in October 22, 52% of the people said he should run. Now 37% uh, say that he should run. Right now, he's going to lie, lie, lie. He's going to talk about that he brought down inflation. He's going to talk about him bringing down the border crisis. He's going to lie, lie tonight. Why doesn't he have the balls to talk about all the people being murdered across this great country? And you want to know something? And the majority are black criminals on black. So that's the fact there, uh, Sleepy Joe. And this is what we got to deal with. No, uh, there's no doubt. It's going to be tough to watch later on tonight, Bo. You just nailed that. We talked about it earlier in the program. Joe Biden is going to lie, like you said, all night about his bills, the infrastructure bill, the Inflation Reduction Act. Both of those are garbage. He's going to talk about, you're right, how crime is better in this country, how the border's not that bad, how the economy is on the uplift. He's going to lie for a complete hour. Lie. And I'm going to tell you something else. Our, may, our governor, our former governor, Patterson, Hit the nail on the head with all these illegal immigrants. I love David Patterson. He knows the truth and the facts. No, he's great, and he's on with John Katz and Matitis quite a bit on Katz at Night. And he did say a couple of days ago that asylum-seeking is now an industry in the United States. I believe it. I so do I. Hey, uh, Bo Deedle has always an amazing, an amazing job. Bo will be with us live in studio. He comes on Tuesday and Thursday. Tuesdays at 7.40. Thursdays live in studio at 9.05. As always, Bo Deedle, that was a magnificent appearance. Lots more to do next hour, including your old buddy, Sean Spicer. Sean Spicer coming up. And uh, we'll also talk to Congressman Mike Waller, the pride of Rockland County, about the president's speech coming up later on tonight. It's the second half of the Nielsen-rated number one news talk show in New York City. That's me, sitting friends in the morning, right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Yeah, you got to play Rick Ashley every Tuesday, don't you? It was his birthday yesterday. Was it Rick Ashley's birthday yesterday? Yeah, he's alive. <laughs> <laughs> One of the old-time... I happen to like his stuff a lot. That was good stuff there with uh, Bo Deedle. And we've got, again, uh, Sean Spicer coming up next. And now, when you worked in the White House, yep. you worked with Sean, right? I did. I did. Sean was always the first one in the office every day. He was in 6 a.m. He actually go do a workout like 6 a.m. in the White House office. And actually, one of the things I want to talk to him about is when the Patriots came, the day they came, that morning we found out that Aaron Hernandez had killed himself wow. in jail the morning the Patriots were coming. And I know you have a very special guest coming up later in the week. A guy named Gronk. Yeah, I do. And it was uh, a great looks moment. like he'll be here on Thursday. And, of course, Gronk was the other tight end on that team with Aaron Hernandez. You know, the story drafted out of Florida, yep. became a uh, a Tom Brady favorite right away, was a magnificent tight end, great talent, ended up murdering one of his buddies in a very nice part of Massachusetts, yep. lost his gig with the Pats. He had just gotten $40 million. Mm-hmm. This guy had a dream life, beautiful girlfriend, new house, $40 million contract, right. young guy playing with Brady and Gronk. Blew it all away because he was a tough guy and murdered some guy for no reason. No reason. Went to prison. Killed himself. That's the story that Andrew was talking about. We'll come back. Sean Spicer and Mike Lawler all coming up next hour. Keep it right here. Hour number three of Sid and Friends in the morning. This is Sid and Friends in the morning. 77 WABC. 
I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Let it be, let it be, let it be. Fifty-nine years ago today, Pan Am Yankee Clipper Flight 101 from London Heathrow Airport landed at Kennedy Airport. 3,000 adoring fans yelling and screaming as Paul, John, George, and Ringo exited the plane and the Beatles made their very first ever visit to New York City, their first New York tour. In fact, it was two days after this, 59 years ago, Thursday, that the Beatles made their debut on the Ed Sullivan, Sullivan Show, Topo Juju. So there you have it, folks, the Beatles, 59 years ago today in New York. Our next guest uh, spent a bunch of time working for Donald Trump, White House Communications Director, in the same White House that my partner today, Andrew Giuliani, worked in. He's gone on to become a TV star at Newsmax. And I sent this to Sean yesterday. I said, hey, listen, Andrew Giuliani is sitting in with me tomorrow trying to make this kid a star. And he responded with, that could take years. <laughs> Here he is. Sean Spicer. Sean, Sean great to hear from you again, Sean. Andrew. How you doing? How are you? <laughs> Good to see you guys. Good to be with you, yeah. That was great. That was a great line, Sean. Uh, I know you're having a great success. The show is going great. You and Lindsay Keith, I'm happy to be for that. And I'm sure that later on today you'll be previewing this uh, garbage we're about to watch tonight, which will be the President of the United States lying to the American public about all the great things he's done, all the great bills, infrastructure, and, and cutting down inflation, the economy, everything's great. Do you think Joe Biden, Sean Spicer, will say anything tonight, anything that's almost accurate? Uh, good evening. <laughs> if he remembers it's evening, in fact, he may not actually remember. You're going out on a limb there. That's Sean. a good job, Sean. Yeah, I, I think, um, look, this is going to be, I, I actually think the question you're asking is the right one, which is, does he approach this? There are, if you go back and look at, at previous State of the Union addresses, there are ones where people, presidents, are are fairly straight with the State of the Union, that, that hey, we have problems, things aren't perfect. Uh, but they'll, they'll put their spin on them, hey, we're working through them, we've got challenges, we're going to, we're America, we'll fight right back. The question I have today is, is he going to walk up there and pretend that, that, that the world is great, that unicorns are flying and, you know, it's all rainbows and puppies? And, or is he going to be honest and say, hey, look, you know, we had a great month of job creation, but interest rates are too high and inflation is too high. They know how people are still struggling to buy basic essentials. I know people were concerned about their safety when they saw a balloon float over the continental United States for seven days. I know that when you see images on your TV screen every day, of brutality breaking out in the streets of our major cities. You're worried for your own safety, but here's how we're going to address it. Or is he going to just say, everything is great, we're working hard, and America is on track? Because the problem is, on the two, on, in the scenario that I described, Americans are watching television, they're listening to the news, they're listening to you guys. 
Um, I was just up in New York. Um, I've been up several times. It, it's 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 not the same as it was. It's it, you don't get that sense of security like you used to. Um, I was watching the local news here in Washington D.C. yesterday, and they literally stole the valet stand outside of a restaurant. <laughs> and and, um, and they, I mean, they put uh-huh. it in a car and drove away with it. The entire valet stand. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and 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 so you 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 can't tell people things are safe and that they should feel good. Um, and then again, like I said, I I went to the commissary at the beginning of the weekend uh, to buy some essentials, and I was like, I said to my wife, I'm going to grab some eggs, and I thought I was getting an, an amazing deal uh, because I was I was buying a dozen eggs for three bucks until I reached in and realized it was a half a dozen yeah. eggs for three bucks. <laughs> That's wild. And, and, uh, and and I, I was just sort of like. You know, I, I I don't think that you can try to tell people what they see every day in front of them is okay. So that's that's you know my my sense is that the approach to this um, is going to be critical. Sean, hold on before we get to no, Andrew. But what? See, I, I, you're right. The approach will be critical. You just explained and very well, mind you. The two ways you can go about it, I'm telling you that the safest bet you could ever make, Sean, more than the Patriots in Super Bowls prior with Tom Brady is he's going to tell you things are great. I guarantee you that. Oh, I, I get it. But I think that the point is, I think you're right. If I if I put money on this, I'm with, I'll, I'll put money with you. But I think the point that I want your listeners to understand is that it's not like this has to be the way. There is another way. He's choosing to go in a direction that is that flies in the face of logic because they don't want to to because uh, uh, just you know. And, and so I, I just think that the point is some would argue, oh, he has no choice. This is what he has to do. And he's not. I mean, historically speaking, it's not true. And so I think that. Um, getting people to understand that that's the case is, is important because they, you, you are on both fronts, not on a security front, on an economic security front, and on a personal security front. Um, it's just not – he has a choice, and, he, and he's going to fail to, to, to address that choice. You know, Sean, day in and day out, I saw how you prepared, how your predecessor, Sarah Sanders, who will be giving the Republican response tonight, prepared for the press briefings and for everything else that the uh, press secretary does, which is not just the moments that are actually on the briefing room, those 45 minutes or hour, 30 minutes each day, but it's the constant communication with the press. When you look at the way that... uh, KJP gets treated by the press the way that Saki gets treated by the press. What do you think? I've always wondered that. Well, I mean, the, the interesting question, Andrew, is that like it's not like people say like, what do you think of how it's different? And I'm like, it's not the same. We got questioned. I mean, you anyone with eyes could either watch. If they didn't have eyes, they could literally just hear it. I mean, turn down the volume, listen to a briefing that I was that I was present and, and listened to one that she's present and um, they're calm, they're respectful. They ask their questions one at a time, like little school kids. And when, it, and, and they don't push back at all on the most blatant disregard for misinformation that she spread um, and or for the you, lack of answers. And, and for and, you, and, they and reminded just, me of Linda Blair and the exorcist. Sorry to cut you off, but yeah, that's just what it yeah. reminded me of. Yeah. And so it's, it's just, but I, again, I will tell you that this is this is kind of like and I don't mean to, to go off on a, on a tangent here, but this is what's happened with this whole Chinese spy balloon thing is that you have a complicit, complicit press 
that on the most basic questions refused to ask answers and took the White House talking points. Um, and you saw this with respect to this whole notion that, well, President Trump's team, because in order to show that the Biden team wasn't entirely incompetent by missing a balloon floating over our continent of the United States, we said, oh, the tr- it happened three times during Trump. And so that the, the media ran with that over the weekend as if it was gospel truth. And then what happened was they admitted, and there's a story, I think, in the New York Times even this morning, saying, no, actually, uh, we never briefed Trump. We didn't even know it was the case. We actually thought they were UFOs until, I mean, it's almost like they went back and looked on their ring doorbells and were like, hey, you know what? That's a balloon. And so now they're going back and trying to cl- clarify because finally all the Trump officials, whether it was Pompeo or Radcliffe or, or Rich Grinnell, came out and said, that's just not true. We were never briefed. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff has said we weren't briefed. And so they tried to basically get the press to carry their water for them to say that they, it, wasn't, it wasn't just a Biden thing. It was also a Trump thing until everyone from Trump world came out and said it's not true. Right. And now what they have to do but, – but they all went with it for all weekend. And this goes back to your point, Andrew, is that no matter what they say, they're like they nod their heads like they're Stepford wives. They do, and uh, they do have the narrative because about 99% of folks take in their news from those outlets. We've got very few places to go. Newsmax, Fox News, that's really about it. Sean Spicer, 5 p.m. every weeknight on Newsmax. Uh, Lindsey Keith as well, they do a terrific job. Uh, Sean, I want to get to Trump here. You just mentioned Donald Trump. And when you watch the State of the Union tonight, it's really very simple. Ask yourself this question. Since Trump did this speech and uh, Nancy Pelosi ripped it up, by the way, which was still one of the most, uh, the grossest moments I've ever seen in political history. Ask yourself this two years later. What's better now? Is the economy better? Foreign policy, is that better? There's wars everywhere. Has the racial divide in America gotten better with a black vice president? Ask yourself this, demonizing police. What's better? And I'll ask you the same thing I asked you about Joe Biden at the very beginning. Can you give me one accurate answer? One. No. I mean, think about it. He's going to make his case tonight. He said it the other day. And again, this is, goes back to my point that I was just talking about. He said inflation was crazy where I came in. It was 1.4%. That's a fact. You, it was 1.4%. Gas prices were at $2 or something a gallon. All of these things, he, he then, but, but they, everybody just, no one calls him out on it. And, and so, yes, inflation went to 8%, and now it's only at 6 and whatever. And, and eggs were at, you know, $17, and now they're only at 8 And it's like, But the, he acts like somehow none of this happened. It was at 1.4%. Interest rates were at 2 or 3% or whatever they were. But now they're at, you know, a variable interest rate on a loan that I had is at 9.5%. I don't know what the – but it, it's it's just – it doesn't, but no one calls him out, Sid. That's the problem. He gets away with saying inflation was rampant when I came in. That's just, it's not true. The numbers are very clear. There's no ambiguity. And yet he, he will stand there today and say everything is great. And that's, I mean, the only beauty of it is that every American who hears that is going to say, not in my house. <laughs> and so they're going to sit there and say, I saw the balloon from my own eyes. I saw the price of eggs. I saw a gallon of gas. I see what my interest rate on my credit card. So you can say what you want from that rostrum in the House of Representatives. But I'm not an idiot, Mr. President. I see what's happening. Don't lie to me. And so to, to, to the extent that he actually does come out and say this, I almost say more the merrier. Because <laughs> the more the American people realize 
that the media and this administration continues to feed them lies and misinformation the better. Because if it was mixed up a little, then maybe they'd say, oh, I get, oh, maybe it's not as bad. But the more it's just blatant, the better. Yeah, but here's the problem. They blame Biden. In other words, Republicans know we can't do the job. Democrats don't want him. Democrats will still say, I'll take anybody rather than Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. So if he has a miserable night and he keeps lying, they're not going to say the Democrats are no good. Even Democrats will stab him in the back and say he's no good, but you still got to vote for us come 2024. You know that. Well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, look at the, the polls that just came out from ABC over the weekend. I mean, Democrats by a huge majority, don't want him to be the candidate. And I think what he's done in New Hampshire with this lineup, I know it sounds petty, but you got four electoral votes in New Hampshire where enough people are going to say you screwed the state of New Hampshire out of a lot of our economic well-being um, that we normally deprive, get, get gain out of uh, every four years, people coming through. I, I just think that the, the, the races that we have these days are close enough that if Republicans can actually not get in their own way this cycle, that – Enough people are saying, I gave Biden a chance. What was the problem? Here's the bottom line. And you know this, and Andrew knows this more than anybody. There wasn't a person during the last campaign, during the 2020 campaign, that it was about the policy. It was all about tweets. Oh, I love the Trump policy. I love what's going on in the economy. But can he stop tweeting? Can he stop doing this? What we've seen now is people being able to say, okay, maybe I don't mind the tweets anymore. Maybe (laughs) I can deal with the tweets. You know, I, I, I don't even have tweet social, so who cares? But, I mean, my point is, is that I think people realize tweets didn't hurt me. All these little one-off things didn't hurt me, but what hurt me now is my kids' you know, education is going in the toilet because of all this woke agenda. The economy is, is you know, killing me. I can't make ends meet. The, our country is under attack by China in terms of its surveillance and what they're doing, and no one's standing up to them. I mean, the administration yesterday, when asked, Corinne Jean-Pierre wouldn't even say that TikTok is a national security threat. What, what's going on? The FBI has said it. This isn't a tough stretch here, but – we are we are at a point where I think every American is starting to say, okay, I don't care about tweets anymore. I care about the security, the economic and personal security uh, that that I need to have. So I, I I think that the more this goes on, that you'll probably have the chairman of the DNC second the nomination of Donald Trump or you know Ron DeSantis or whomever. You know, Sean, it is Super Bowl week this week, and even though Sid did say that it was a sure bet that Tom Brady in the Super Bowl would be winning, he forgot to mention the two that Eli Manning uh, won. I know he that, actually lost uh, three. He lost three. He seven one, one and three. More to, the Eagles beat him. Yeah. Well, the reason why I say that is Sean is a massive Patriots fan. One of my favorite moments in the White House. I want to get your rem- memory of this. Uh, let's go to cut eighteen first. A little moment between Sean Spicer and a guy named Gronk. Can I just? Uh, I think I got this, but thank you. Um, maybe. All right, thanks, man. I'll see you in a minute. Uh, hold on. All right, that was cool. So if you couldn't hear, Gronk actually came in and said, Sean, do you need a hand with this over here? And Sean, as you heard there, said, it's cool. What do you remember about that day when the Patriots came in in 2017? Well, first of all, uh, you know, look, uh, you were crucially, you know, key, key in that and all that happening. I know that, you know, you were key in, in coordinating all those big events and, uh, 
and you you and I had talked about that, and you had said, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And and I was a little nervous to be honest with you because I think <laughs> you know President Trump. Sometimes he thinks things are funny, and sometimes he doesn't. And um, I thought it would be cool. I knew Gronk could play the part, and uh, and and I didn't know how the time would go, but you were the you were the maestro uh, of the orchestra there that, that that sort of pulled that off. So I, I don't I think the audience needs to make sure that you get the proper credit for that. But I will tell you, it, it does go down as one of the coolest days of my life. Not just um, not just because of that scene, because that's epic, right? And yeah. it's Gronk coming into the to the briefing room, and then later in the day, um, you know, I actually wrote about this in my book, and there's a picture. But basically, uh, I brought my whole family, and it was a big day for us. It's just it, for a lot of reasons, just the way we grew up, and uh, and it was uh, it was an opportunity for my family to to really come together and experience this in a way that we hadn't growing up. And um, I'm right off the the stairway to the, go up to the residence in the White House, and uh, uh, the president walks down with the team because he had taken the entire team up to the residence That's to right. show them. <laughs> um, and uh, and Coach Belichick and Mr. Kraft walk down, and, and uh, Mr. Kraft looks over and he says, hey, Bill, get me that thing, Sean, come here. And he hands me one of their helmets from the Super Bowl that wow. I had been at, by the way. I had flown to that Super Bowl with Mike Pence in Houston to watch the greatest comeback ever in Super Bowl history, probably in sports history. And he hands me one of the helmets and says, no one deserves this more than you. Uh, and, <laughs> wow. and uh, it was, so I have that. I mean, that's one of my prized possessions. I had Belichick sign it right there. And, um, um, and, and so, um, you know, it was just one of those really cool days where I had my kids and my brother. And, and it was, it was one of the only times in my tenure at the white house where I was, Really, it wasn't just about me. I got to bring my family. And I, I, you know, from from that moment with Gronk in the briefing room to to the end of the day, it was it was super cool. Um, so, uh, you know, I I will give you a lot of credit, Andrew. You you coordinated not just the visit, but then found a way to make it super special. There you go. Well, How about that? Well, yeah. you're not so bad for a Red Sox fan, yeah. Sean. We'll keep you around. You By know? the way, uh, uh, on this week with Tom Brady retired, it was two years ago on this day, back in 2021, two years ago on this day, the Buccaneers beat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs 31-9 in the Super Bowl, number seven, and, of course, the last for the great Tom Brady. As always, Sean Spicer, great job. Thank you for joining me and Andrew this morning. Continued success at Newsmax. You're the man, buddy. Thank you so much. You bet, guys. Take care. Thanks. Take care. Still lots more to do this hour, including the pride of Rockland County, Congressman Mike Waller, and more in the 9 o'clock hour as well, including a Tupa Tuesday on Sid State. But once again, 59 years ago today, the Beatles invaded New York City. This is Let It Be. in the morning, 77 WABC. Reimagine the team around the big three, Steph, Jamin, and uh the guys are signed. I got
You know, glad you brought up uh, earlier. It's a great song, by the way. Here I go again, White Snake, at eight thirty-one on your Tuesday morning. Watching uh, Tim Scott, he's talking to my friend Brian Kilmeade. Will join us tomorrow. Big show tomorrow. Brian Kilmeade, Peter King, Lara Trump, and also uh, Daniel Nigro, the former FDNY commissioner. So a huge show coming up tomorrow. But they're talking about Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Andrew, which you brought up twice today, which I'm glad you did. But they showed a, a uh, video just now of Joe Biden doing his State of the Union last year. And sitting behind him, of course, Kamala Harris, complete waste of time, complete, and uh, Nancy Pelosi. And you brought up early this morning, we're not that far removed, only two years on this night, from Nancy Pelosi ripping up yeah. in plain sight, right on television, ripping up Donald Trump's speech. So when Biden goes out there tonight mm-hmm. and starts begging the House, Senate, come together, too much divide, and all that nonsense, which he's done nothing to improve, mm-hmm. he does realize what Pelosi, who he loves, did two years ago, right? I don't know if, he reala- if he'll even realize where he's going to be tonight, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. But I think it does, again, show the double standard of the media. Again, we point this out time and time and time again. I know sometimes I sound like a broken record on this, but I think you just see examples in just every single day in all this. But I think it'll be a perfect example, right? Kevin McCarthy tonight may not clap at something. Or he may look to somebody in the Republican delegation Roll when, when Biden says something, right? <laughs> and the media, it would not surprise me if CNN and MSNBC goes and makes it a five-alarm fire, makes it the biggest issue in the world. They Meanwhile, will. Nancy Pelosi goes and rips up Trump's speech on the House floor like this, and that's basically... That's Nancy Pelosi in a barrel right there, and that's and that's how Democrats treated Trump throughout his well, presidency. Listen, I think and the Na- media too. I think what Nancy Pelosi did. And you're right. Uh, Joe and Miko will start tomorrow's show with Kevin McCarthy rolling his eyes, or Don Lemon, that moron, will say something. But I really believe what Nancy Pelosi did was treason. Like I'm telling you, that was a crime. Well, it I should think, be a crime. I, I think a lot of Republicans and especially conservatives saw it as almost like ripping up the Constitution it's in treason. some way, right? I'm telling it's, you, it's obviously it's not the Constitution. But when you talk about the president giving that address, the importance of doing that in front of uh, in front of a joint session of Congress, uh, and, and then doing that the first time as the Speaker of the House under this president to actually do that in a speech that I think. A lot of people thought was very good. If you look at his approval ratings, they were some of the highest after that speech. Uh, I think it just showed the utter disregard that uh, not just Pelosi, uh, but really the left had for uh, had for Trump. And I think really it was a play to the progressives. And one of the things that I find is absolutely crazy tonight is the rebuttal. Yeah. Sarah Sanders. Then there's going to be a rebuttal after that <laughs> by progressives, which is crazy. Well, they want it's the la- they want they want the last word. So yeah, who's so doing what, the one? Who's are going they going to read from the Communist Manifesto? <laughs> like, what, what is that going to be like? Who's on after Sanders? Who is oh, it? Oh, it's not Talib. I should know this. Omar. It's um, not no, one of those. No, three. it's not Omar. It might be AOC. Um, I got to look this up now. All right, I got to look that. it up. All right, we're going to oh. talk to Mike Waller, the pride of Rockland County. He's coming up next. Also, what traffic is coming up next. But right now, it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Good morning, Rich Clift. How are you? Today's minicast clip of the day. You get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This one is from my main man, John Katsimatidis. Does a great show every weeknight, 5 p.m. Cats at night. Also does a great show every Sunday morning, 8 a.m., the Cats Roundtable. Here, John has Bill O'Reilly. 
O'Reilly. O'Reilly's on with John every Monday night. On with me every Thursday with John every Monday night. Here they're talking about common sense Democrats must rebel against the extreme left. The common sense Democrats in Albany, they don't have the courage. And I agree with you. Uh, to, to stand up against the extreme left wing of the party. There's no doubt about it. And the same can be said for Republicans as well. When you get into certain issues, um, the advantage that Republicans have is that, that they're not actively undermining public safety. And the progressives are. Delia Ramirez is giving the yes. first term. She's a first term Democrat from Illinois. Just so you know, the company that she keeps, the last two progressives that gave the response well, to this, well. Rashida Tlaib and Jamal Bowman. Oh, so that's God. the company much keeps. worse. My good buddy Matt Goldstein checks in. I love you, man. You are so right. 100% treason. It really was. That was a criminal offense. Nothing less. A criminal offense by Nancy Pelosi. A disgusting, not good enough. A criminal offense. Anyway, it is uh, 836 here on your Tuesday morning, another look at traffic. This man will never rip up anything that I write, I can tell you that. No, My dear I friend Joe Nolan. Dare. Never, never, <laughs> never, ever, ever, Joe. No, never. Well, as you head out onto the Brooklyn Queens Expressway on the southbound side, coming down to the Williamsburg Bridge, there is an accident. Again, the one lane out. Eastbound on the Belt Parkway, coming into the Verrazano Bridge, there's a crash. Again, one lane out of service. And then westbound on Route 4 at Hackensack Avenue, which is County Road 503. Two lanes are out. Accident, unfortunately, there with injuries. You're backed up to Queen Anne Road. And then on 46 eastbound, coming into Route 80, uh, there is a crash. Another one on 280 westbound of Mount Pleasant Avenue. And then a stalled tractor trailer northbound on Route 18, coming up to Old Bridge Turnpike. A lot of transit now. There's no Gladstone branch both ways on Jersey Transit. That with the track condition. New Jersey Transit trains in and out of New York Penn Station. 20 minute delays. That because of an earlier stall. And the 806 and a Trenton which is one of the express trains which is due in at 901. That also has been cancelled. So the Transit Authority delays on the 1, the 6, the A and the C and alternate side is in effect. I'm Joe Nolan with traffic on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Take a look at my girlfriend. She's the only one I got. Not much of a girlfriend. I never seem to get along. Super Tramp for you, 841 on your Tuesday morning, Tuesday, February the 7th. Later on tonight, the new season, Real Housewives of New Jersey. Frank Catania will join me live in studio on Friday. 
And I'm meeting Louis Rielas for lunch later on today. So I'm uh, knee-deep in the housewives of uh, New Jersey. But our next guest is uh, close to Jersey. In fact, I believe there's a Jersey town neighboring Rockland County. Montvale is right there. But he is the pride of Rockland County uh, Congress District 17 and has become a really good guest on this program. That is Mike Lawler. Mike, welcome back. Sid, Andrew Giuliani in studio. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Thanks, Sid. Hey, Andrew, how are you? Mike, great to talk to you as always. Nice to have you back, Mike. Let's start with the, before we get to the State of the Union and some other stuff you've been doing lately with with, um, congestion pricing. I want to start with George Santos. There's another controversy. Now there's a man out there that says that uh, Santos uh, unwanted sexual advances. You were on last week talking about Santos, and I think, I think, and if I'm wrong, correct me, you're pretty confident that eventually... They're going to get rid of him. You guys will get rid of him. I know there's a big contention out of Long Island. Joe Cairo, Peter King, Bruce Blakeman, they're trying to get it done. But McCarthy swears him in. Right now he's got a position. This latest controversy, how bad is that for George Santos? Look, uh, I, I, there are obviously multiple investigations here. And now uh, this most latest allegation, which is serious and, and needs to be addressed, Um it's just disturbing, the whole thing. From start to finish, uh, I and, and my colleagues have called for him to resign. Uh, he seems incapable, not only of not you know, telling the truth, but he seems incapable of, of taking any responsibility for, for his actions. Um, I, I suspect when all is said and done, uh, you know, and the investigations are complete, uh, one way or the other, he will, he will be uh, out of Congress. Uh, and, and frankly, uh, it's it's the right thing for not just uh, the residents of the third district, but for uh, the conference and the party. Uh, his, his conduct is unbecoming. It's embarrassing uh, and it's never ending. And, and that really is just what is so disturbing here. It's it's one story after the next that just, uh, you know, makes makes your uh, hair stand up on the on the back of your neck. And um You know, we pushed, myself, several of my colleagues uh, went to leadership and and pushed for him to be removed from committees. Uh, He was given a choice, uh, either resign from committee or be voted out of committee. And uh, I think it was probably the only smart decision he's made in this whole process. Uh, (laughs) He he chose to, to step down from the committee's. You know, I, I can hear how enthused you are to get another George Santos questions. I'm sure you've gotten thousands of them. So I have to ask, are you more looking forward to your next George Santos question or Joe Biden's State of the Union tonight? I'm more looking forward to Joe Biden's State of the Union. You know, as a as somebody who's been around this uh, a, a long time, uh, this this will be the first time I've ever seen a State of the Union live. And, and you know, regardless of who the president is, uh, it's pretty cool to be part of it, uh, on a, on a personal level. And and I'm uh, very much looking forward to it. My wife will be here tonight as well and, uh, and get to experience that. And, and frankly, you know, I think for me, uh, that's, uh, the coolest part about it. You know, my wife is an immigrant from Eastern Europe. Uh, she came here a decade ago. She became a citizen two years ago. Uh, and to think, you know, she'll be sitting uh, in the house chambers to watch the president of the United States deliver State of the Union. It's not bad. No, listen, it's great. Uh, All kidding aside, it's great. And now, of course, this year we've got the slight majority, ever so slight, but we've got it. 
first time in uh, in years. So I wonder this, being that you're all enthusiastic and proud to be there tonight, and your wife, as you should be, will you go in there tonight with the mindset of he's the president, I'm going to be respectful, I'm going to clap when everybody else claps, or because you're a Republican, are you going to go in there tonight, and when he says something which is a lie, which will be all night, he's going to lie all night long, Lawler, are you too good to roll your eyes, maybe not clap? How will Mike Lawler act tonight when the president lies, which he's going to do all night? Well, anybody who knows me knows I'm probably one of the most prolific eye rollers. So <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know that I won't be able to roll my eye, not roll my eyes. Let's get a Lawler can I, I want a Lawler can. <laughs> I will be. I will be, of course, respectful. I mean, look. At the end of the day, the president is there to deliver uh, a State of the Union message. Uh, we will have an opportunity as as the opposing party to uh, issue a rebuttal. Um, and uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, the governor of Arkansas, will do that. Uh, but uh, I'm very interested in hearing what the president has to say on a whole host of issues. The bottom line is the American people elected us to be a check and balance on the Biden administration because we're dealing with record inflation, skyrocketing energy prices, surging crime in areas like New York, a porous southern border, uh, massive inflows of fentanyl and illegal immigration. Uh, and, and people want responsible, reasonable solutions to these problems. And so I'm very much looking forward to listening to the president tonight uh, deliver his State of the Union. And hopefully he will recognize uh, that one party rule in Washington is over. Uh, and that he has a responsibility to work with us in the same way that we have a responsibility to work with him. Uh, obviously, the debt ceiling uh, is is a major issue that everybody's been talking about. Speaker McCarthy delivered uh, remarks on that last night. Um, and you know, it's funny you say that's a major issue because every economist that I bring on this show, whether it's Larry Kudlow, Ron Insana, Monica Crowley, they all say it's basically a better complete that this thing will be wrapped up before we default in June. Nobody seems to think on the economy side that taking this very seriously, we're going to default. I I agree. We we are not going to default. We're going to pay our debts previously incurred, and we're going to lift the debt ceiling. But the issue is very simple. Uh, The president thinks there should just be a clean debt ceiling uh, vote, and he's looking to people like me who are in districts that, that he won in 2020 uh, and trying to put pressure on us right. to, to just vote for a clean debt ceiling. Right. That's not going to happen. And the reason it's not going to happen is that any major spending reforms that have occurred in recent history have been tied to the debt ceiling. And we cannot continue to sustain spending at the levels that this administration and, frankly, the one before it incurred. Uh, it is out of control. It's reckless, and it is it has put us in a very uh, precarious situation. So to, to increase spending like this administration has by $5 trillion in two years is totally unsustainable. We now have over $31 trillion in debt, uh, and we cannot continue down this path. So we need a real budget process that goes line by line by line that requires every agency and department to justify their spending. Um, and, and come up with a long-term plan to put us on the path to fiscal solvency. The president has to negotiate with the speaker on that in good faith. 
and and be reasonable and responsible here. And that's what we're saying as part of this debt ceiling uh, negotiation. So, yes, the debt ceiling will be lifted. No, I'm not concerned about default. Uh, we we have to pay our obligations. And frankly, uh, if for no other reason, you look at what it would do uh, to our standing in the world globally uh, and the impact that has in uh, dealing with China, oh. uh, we absolutely oh. cannot default. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, you know, one of the most disingenuous claims that I've heard Biden make over the two years is that uh, the uh, the debt ceiling is not related to spending. Uh, when we know that current spending uh, ultimately will determine the debt ceiling in years to come. It's very much connected. But one of the things, Mike, I want to talk to you about uh, in light of the city and the state pushing through congestion pricing, you and Josh Gottheimer, among others, uh, have been really trying to push back on the city and state implementing congestion pricing here in New York City, which, as you've said and highlighted, would be a disaster to so many people that are commuting. And as somebody who lives in New York City, who has a car, I'm certainly not looking forward to what will probably be more than $5,000 extra a year in paying. Uh, tell me a little bit about where that is. Yeah, this has been uh, an issue that I've been railing against since the, the moment it came up. Congestion pricing has never worked anywhere it has been implemented. And this is nothing more than a money grab by the most corrupt and worst run authority in the country. The MTA uh, has operated billions uh, in, in the red for years because they are poorly managed, poorly run. Uh, and now what they're trying to do is take billions of dollars uh, in federal aid, in state aid, and create this new congestion uh, pricing scheme that will uh, raise over a billion dollars on the backs of hardworking New Yorkers who have to commute into the city. Here's the problem, Rockland County. We do not have a one-seat ride. Yeah. We have to go through New Jersey to get into Manhattan. Many of our commuters are forced to drive because the MTA has cut express rail service. And in fact, during COVID, they threatened to eliminate express, uh, rail service altogether for West of Hudson commuters. So the MTA is a joke. Uh, they, they need a complete enema uh, in their management <laughs> uh, team. And as far as I'm concerned, this program, this scheme needs to be dead in its tracks. And so what Josh Gottheimer and I have said is if you are going to proceed forward, Governor Hochul, if you are going to proceed forward with this, then it's clear you do not need federal aid uh, for the MTA, and you can move forward with that, and we'll take the $2 billion that the federal government gives you, and we'll create a federal tax credit for those commuters who are in the MTA region who are forced to drive in and pay this congestion uh, pricing tax, which will cost the average family $5,000 a year in addition to the tolls they already pay to cross over the Hudson River to get into the city. So this this plan is one of the dumbest plans that's been enacted. And I will do everything I can uh, with respect to the federal purse strings to hold New York accountable uh, to its taxpayers and stop this nonsense once and for all. Excellent job, as always. The pride of Rockland County, that 17th district in Washington, D.C., for the first time with his beautiful wife tonight, seeing the State of the Union in person. Our good buddy, Mike Lawler. Mike, enjoy tonight. Congratulations. Thanks for another great appearance. We'll talk again very, very soon. 
Thanks, Sid. Thanks, Andrew. All right, buddy. Mike Lawler right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning with me, Sid Rosenberg, and him, Andrew Giuliani. We'll be right back on a Tuesday morning. So I guess Brendan Fraser is on with Howard talking about the whale. I'll tell you a funny story. Danielle went to uh, Murrow High School, my beautiful wife, Danielle. And they have something, I told you this before, Lou, at the end of the year, they call it Sing. What whale? The movie's the called movie. The Whale. He's nominated for it. Yeah, for the Academy he's, Award, Brendan Fraser. Oh, yeah. oh, that's yeah. right. That's yes. right. Yeah, now I remember the right. so, yeah. talking about. So okay. Sing, which all these high schools put on at the end of the school year, mm-hmm. have you done that in New York when you were in high school? Uh, I've been to the high school play. The I was Sing, never a play right, guy. Right, but, yeah. right. Okay. So one year at Murrow, they, you know, they, have, they always have like two people who lead Sing. Okay. And this year, the female that led Sing was Danielle Kahn. She's now Danielle ah, Rosenberg. There you go. And the oh. male that led the Sing. No way. You ready for this? Come on, give me, take a guess. Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fra- no. Oh. Even better. The guy that hired Brendan Fraser. Oh. The same guy that won the Academy Award for that Swan movie. What was oh, it? Black Swan. Black Swan. Black Swan. Yes. And now, uh, Darren Aronofsky. Oh. He was married to the actress Rachel Weiss. He's won Academy Awards. He's one of the hottest directors in the last decade in Hollywood. He was the male. Well, he made this movie, The Whale, starring Brendan Fraser. Really? Him and Danielle talk every now and then. They saw each other at the high school union years ago. Right. We had a crush on her. And uh, anyway, long hey. story short, he actually, Danielle did sing with Darren, and she's saying, you got to get... Brendan Fraser on the show because the movie's supposed to be great. And like you said, Andrew, he's right. nominated for the Academy Award. So if um, somebody could reach out to Darren Aronofsky, we could probably get him and Brendan Fraser on the show because Darren, for many years, was friends with Danielle. So I got a question. Why are you the Rosenberg that's getting all the Hollywood actors? And what about Danielle? <laughs> well, she I'd much it. rather look at Danielle than look at you. I well, mean, you're a good-looking guy, thank all, you. but, I mean, come on. Thank Danielle, you for saying that. Much. I agree with you, but she don't want it. Oh, okay. Like, she is... You know, if she has, like, a high-profile court case, for example, or a client, she wants no part of it. Okay. I mean, no part of it. Me, I can't get enough. You know what I'm saying? Shut up, Lou. Okay. Hi, Danielle. (laughs) Oh, you're not listening. I forgot. Sorry. (laughs) So what are are the odds right now that um, Philip Macedonia Bill books Brendan Fraser this week? Um, is there an, a such thing as negative odds? <laughs> zero, zero, okay, good. zero. I'm glad you guys are doing that, zero. Lou and Andrew, because now, now you've set the challenge. I love it. My okay, money's on Phil. Phil. Oh, Hold me up, I'm zero. <laughs> zero. Boy, I hope I'm not wrong. <laughs> All right, fourth and final hour about to come your way. We're going to play Sid's Take. It's a two for Tuesday, a good music game. Andrew versus me, plus a whole bunch of topics, some phone calls, all that good stuff. Fourth and final hour of Sid and Friends in the morning about to come your way. This is Sid and Friends in the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. I've been so many places in my life and time. I've sung a lot of songs, I've made some bad rhyme. I've acted out my love in stages with 10,000 people watching. But we're alone now and I'm 
singing this song for you. I know your image of me is what I hope to be. I've treated you unkindly, but darling, can't you see? There's no one more important to me. Darling, can't you please see through me? Cause we're alone now and I'm singing this song for you. Carpenter is at 907. The melodious tones of the late great Karen Carpenter. Fourth and final hour, sitting friends in the morning on this Tuesday morning. My main man, Andrew Giuliani, sitting in, does, does a great job every time. Great, great job. Uh, this uh, Turkey Syria earthquake, now they're saying over 5,000 dead. Yeah. That number will continue to climb. That'll be some outrageous, horrible number. Little kids and, and all kinds of folks are dead there. They're digging through the debris as we speak for survivors. And it won't surprise me because the 10,000 or who knows what, it's a horrible story. I mean, a horrible story. Yeah, seeing the actual building collapse, oh, it's horrifying God. to think about the kids that are in there. and just Terrible. Oh yeah. So that is a, a big story today. Here uh, in New York, the big story, I guess the big question is, how's your wife feeling? Uh, she's in a little pain, actually, with <laughs> she that is? knee. She's in that pain. Uh, we, uh, I'm going to get her down to Florida next week, I nice. think, for a little time. Get her down there. You're maybe, next home, uh, or you're going to move to uh, uh, I don't know. She thinks you're actually trying to kick me out. No, 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 I'm not trying to kick you out. And I think she's listening in now, so she's going to chime in. No, no, you guys want to go, and I've told you this. Yeah. On a serious note, I'd love you to stay here. You've got a great opportunity. WABC working with me, it's great. I love you. Uh, you really, at this point, have become one of my dearest friends, but I'm looking out for Grace. Well, and Grace's lifestyle in Florida blows away your life. I mean, you can take it every jungle gym, every dance class from Chelsea to Battery Park to Brooklyn. Ain't like taking her to the pool. Well, I was listening, in March. I was listening to the star of this station here this morning on the early news, Deb Valentine, who actually mentioned that again, just like last year, Florida gained more people than any other state. New York lost almost another 1% of its population. Guess where they're all going? Florida. They're all going down to Florida. I mean, some go to North Carolina. South Carolina. But these are no-tax states that have good weather, that have... They're being efficient. New York, again, $227 billion budget that Hochul's proposing that actually is going to get pushback from the left for not being uh, crazy enough. Uh, so I think you're going to see more and more people, not just seniors, retired people, but I think you're going to see more and more families that are considering moving out of state because of this. i got to tell you, I moved back to Florida in 2005, right. and we bought our most recent house in 2008 mm-hmm. in a very pretty residential part of West Boca. Right. Uh, the name of our community, uh, you know, I forgot it already, all the way west on Yamato Road mm-hmm. by by two schools. Yeah. Great. And uh, loved it there. And that whole neighborhood, Andrew, were young people. They were not old people. Mm-hmm. All from Long Island, all from Brooklyn. I'm talking 15 years ago. Yeah. So I know now they leave more than ever mm-hmm. between the taxes, the crime, Hochul, Adams, de Blasio, all that. But 15 years ago, they were building out west, yeah, all the way west. And folks from New York, I mean, my community, I must have met 100 neighbors, all from New York. Yeah. Few from Chicago, Philadelphia, yes. New York, for years, yeah. this is nothing new, just the numbers 
I'm much larger yeah. now. Grace's godfather, Sean, started a business, an exotic animal business down there. We're not, talk- <laughs> we're not talking Joe Exotics. So I was going to say, say- lions, but you get zebras, kangaroos, lemurs, sloths. The place is called Animal Adventures. Where and it's it? right on 441. It's in uh, Boynton Beach on Boynton, 441. Okay. That's just north of where I live. Exactly. But yeah. you could, he could see in his business alone in the last three or four years, he is tripling, quadrupling attendance oh, yeah. each weekend. Yeah, I know. Part of that's because they're doing such a great job in their business. But a lot of it is because you have so many people coming down from New York that there's a bigger and bigger yeah. pool of families that they can actually go to on. It's just, you know, I bought a home in Boca. Mm-hmm. If I try to buy that same home here, which I basically did, right. it's twice as much money. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, there's no state tax. Now, look. the But the, prices are going up down there. That That's was going to be my thing. next prices point. Are exactly going up. right. When people say cost of living, they don't live there. Mm-hmm. If I go out for, to eat, an example, Boca, Fort Lauderdale, I'll spend almost... Not the same, right? almost the same. If I go to Publix mm-hmm. and do my shopping like Bastidi's here, I'll spend almost the same. Is it the same? No, it's right. not. Right. But it's close. Yeah. So the quote-unquote cost of living is not a heck of a lot different, but you want to buy a house, yep. you'll get twice as much. Mm-hmm. You want to be outdoors all year long, you get it. Yeah. So the and, quality and no of life taxes. is a lot better. And no state taxes. Right. right. No state right. and local taxes. So when you get your salary and you're making blah, 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 mm-hmm. you're basically making blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Here you can make $800,000. Right. You're taking home four. Yep. And guess what? 400000 in New York ain't a great lifestyle. It it's goes, not. It goes it's fast. Not. It goes fast. Yeah. And your, your dollar does go a little further down there when you add to the fact that you have the state tax. But also I think they love the fact, and we saw this earlier today, that DeSantis has taken on some of these corporations down there that are pushing some of the radical agenda. Oh, Disney. Exactly. He said today, I'm taking it over. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Uh, Disney has been protected for many, many years. Mm-hmm. I was okay with that. Right. As a resident of South Florida, I had the Disney pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I and the two children went about once a month. Right. But the Disney a thousand. I hated it, by the way. Yeah. Hated it. <laughs> but she loved it. The kids loved it. It was great. Two hours from my house, door to door, Magic Kingdom, two hours. It was great. Now, all this woke nonsense, can't say little boy, can't say little girl. How about this? F you. Two, how fast were you driving up the Florida Turnpike? Two hours. Fast. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Maybe like 2.15. 2.15. 2.15. Still, that's fast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Up there. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, if you're doing 70, 75, because yeah. there's nobody on that turnpike, you know that. Until mm-hmm. you get off in, in Orlando, then you get a little bit of traffic. Right. But uh, for the most part, there's nobody. I mean, that was the other thing. I would drive to work every morning. And I had a couple routes I can go. Mm-hmm. So if I had to go north, for example, to Palm Beach, because right. I worked in Pompano initially, then Palm Beach. Initially Miami back in 2005, but you've got the turnpike. You've got I-95. Yeah. So you've got different ways to go. Now, I-95 is, is a disaster. Even though it's got like five lanes, it's a disaster, but not at 4 o'clock in the morning. Right. You, you, yeah. you, I find traffic here at 4 o'clock in the morning, not in South Florida. Yeah. But I think the biggest reason why some of these young families are considering moving there is for education. And what I, mean, what I mean by that is you're not getting the craziness that nope. we're getting here in New York sometimes. Well, that's Look, because of the governor I, I, flat out. I, I don't Exactly. I, I don't want my daughter at six, seven, eight years old to be taught about any kind of sex, heterosexual, homosexual sex. It has nothing to do with what the media likes to dub don't say gay. It has everything to do with the fact that I want parents to have a bigger say in education. That means myself. That means my wife being able to look and say, you know what? It's age-appropriate at 
13 or 14 right. for us right. to have this conversation with my daughter. And then the schools can supplement that. Not for them to be pushing this stuff at six, seven, Couldn't eight years more. old on my kids. That's why I think what DeSantis did is so good. That's what another reason why I think more and more people are saying, wait a second, the media is actually painting this. Don't say gay. When it doesn't say it, actually, in that parental rights and education bill Not once. at all. Not at once. All. It doesn't say the, it the word gay is never used once. And I can tell you this. Uh, my kids went to private school, mm-hmm. mostly the JCC mm-hmm. in, uh, in Boca. Right. Uh, they did go to a public school right across the street from my community. Right. A very good middle school. Very good. Eagles Landing is the high school there. And I remember people saying to me, the good news mm-hmm. about going back to New York is... They're going to get a better education. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you, living in Florida for almost 20 years and here for 35, I've got a good sample study of both. Right. It wasn't like a year. Mm-hmm. Good sample study of both, like you just said, not the case. Yeah. Better education there. And that was before, before Ryan DeSantis and all that woke stuff. Yeah. I mean, when I was there, it was still, um, Rick Scott was still the governor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, one of the things in Hochul's $227 billion budget that uh, I actually thought was a good proposal, let's see if she can actually get this through the legislature, was the fact that she wants to raise the regional caps on charter schools. What do I mean by that, Sid? There's a cap at 460 statewide, which we haven't hit, but there's a cap at 270 here in New York City, which we have hit. There are 11 zombie charter schools. That means those particular schools have failed. But you're talking about over 95% of the charter schools have been successful here in New York. What Hochul has proposed is to lift the regional cap. That way, New York City can get, can get as many more as 85 new charter schools. I think this is going to be the next big showdown between her and the legislature. And I expect the teachers union to be pushing the legislature hard to try to kill this in Hochul's budget. Let's see if Hochul actually can step up and do something, yeah. something yeah. good for the kids, or let's say if she's going to get run over again. I expect the latter. I'm hoping for the former. You know, the argument we're making right now for Florida is the same exact argument. One of the biggest stories in New York this week has been the Nets and Kyrie Irving. Right. Whether you like basketball, sports or not, it doesn't matter. It's a huge story. The I, Nets deal away this this malcontent, this disgruntled basketball player who, who, play, who, who complains about everything in this city, from vaccine mandates to Jews, you name it, white people, he couldn't stand it here. And and the selling point that we you and I just talked about is exactly what Pat Riley uses yeah. to get those players to Miami. He goes, LeBron, I'm going to pay you $100 million. You're going to take home... 90. Yeah. You know, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, Jimmy Butler, all these great players over the years, and almost every year, Miami, along with, with, with their, Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, is competitive, if not winning championships, and they, they're buying big houses right. down by uh, Coral Gables or down in Miami or, you know, whatever it may be, yeah. Coconut Creek, uh, they live like kings yeah. when they go play for Miami. You know, my father puts it this way, and I think it's so clear when you think about it this way. In New York... The government is the senior partner in your relationship. Correct. What I mean by that is, if you're a high-income earner, they are going to actually take more money from you between the federal, state, and local taxes than you are actually going to take home in your paycheck. Correct. In Florida, you're going to take more than 60% yeah. of that home, 63% yeah. of that, as a matter of fact. Yeah. And that's another reason why more and more people. So Kyrie Irving, who's going now to Texas, to Dallas, he's going to be able to, I don't know, what's his salary, Phil, $30 million or something, something like, like that? that yeah. He's going to be able yeah. to take home an extra $3.5 million yeah. that he wasn't going to be able to in Brooklyn. So I'm sure... He's going to come and buy you a bite heat, Sid, because you have been so, so nice to him, to him yeah. when he yeah. comes back to play in New York or Brooklyn. Well, the mayor, Eric Adams, 
amidst all the important stuff, like a cop getting shot, which he was there, by the way, on the scene. He texted me yeah. that night talking about the, the migrants, obviously, and between Canada and New York mm-hmm. and the rest of the country, where we're going to send them. Yeah, he did find time to talk about Kyrie's departure, right. which, again, is a very big story. This is uh, Eric Adams with our friend Lou, Pat Kiernan, on New York One yesterday, talking about Kyrie Irving's move from Brooklyn to Dallas, cut number 27. If City Hall was a professional sports team and you had a, a, an employee who gave you as much drama as Kyrie Irving has given the, the Brooklyn Nets, would, would, and, and that employee said, could you trade me, would you do the trade? I will find the team that beats us the most and send him to that team because then we'll start beating that team. <laughs> it's about synergy and energy. No matter how much talent you have, your ability to interact with your colleagues is more important. One player can bring down the synergy of the team. And so I will send him to the team that beats us the most so we can start winning better. He's right. One player can bring down the synergy of the whole team, whether it's Kyrie Irving with the Nets or Andrea Stewart-Cousins, or Carl Heasty up in Albany, those two players are bringing down the whole city. Yeah, it sounds like, well, the team really sucks in New York. That's really what it comes down to. The team really sucks. Canaris out in, uh, out in Queens over there, kicking out Amazon. I mean, it really sucks. But the, iron, the ironic thing, listening to this, the last time I saw Pat Kiernan was when I was still a candidate for governor. I was in New York One Studios, sitting closer than you and I are sitting together here. A month later, New York One would not let me in right. because you of, of the vaccine yeah. mandate. Yeah. I made a big deal enough. about that. They, they missed it. And I filled out the questionnaire, said that I did not get the shot. They let me in, but obviously they made a massive deal about it when uh, when the debate ended up happening. Yeah. So listening to him talk to Adams about Kyrie after Adams had uh, has now uh, said the vaccine mandate is no longer uh, enforced here in New York, uh, it's ironic coming from my standpoint. Uh, I think way too late on this. I certainly hope that he does hire back those workers with the back pay that those workers deserve that he fired. That ain't going to happen. Uh, but I'm with so. you. I'm with I, you 100%. I'll be advocating for it. Oh, me I'll too. In fact, it. you even brought it up when he was yeah. on with me last week. I said, what about those folks? Best question you asked. Well, thank you. Best but it's not going to happen. Uh, listen, I know this. If the election was today, I would vote for Donald Trump. If the election was today, I'm going to put words in Andrew's mouth. He would vote for Donald Trump. Yep. This guy, I don't think so. Play cut number 14, Lewis. You'd be dumb as a Republican candidate for president, in my view, if you say, yeah, I'll support the nominee to who, no matter who it is. But Donald Trump, who is the front runner, says, I, I won't necessarily do that. Well, the hell, man. When the front runner says he'll support the nominee, then count me in. But until then, forget it. Chris you know, Christie. You know, I got a bunch of memes with the uh, Chinese spy balloon over the weekend. Yeah. And the best one that I got was the Chinese spy balloon with Chris Christie hanging on the bottom of it. And it's the picture of him on the beach that was shut oh, down that's hilarious. in the beach chair. That's, that's funny. That I, got right there. I like the one that uh, Yvette Rodriguez and Sales sent me yesterday. It's Donald Trump teeing off in Bedminster. That's a good one. And hitting the ball, and the ball hits the balloon. And Trump goes, see what I did? <laughs> you mentioned that on air yesterday. I looked it up. That is a good one. That is a good one, yes. one 800 848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Going to take on uh, Andrew Giuliani, Sid versus Andrew. And Sid's take on a two-for-Tuesday. Test our music knowledge coming up later on today. Plus more news of the day, maybe a couple of phone calls as well. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning 
only right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Get ready to move to Florida. I love you for my life. You are a friend of mine. And when my life is over, remember when we were together. And I was singing a song for you. I mean, again, I moved down there in 2005. I was part of a pretty sizable exodus. Now, 2023, everybody's going, including Andrew Z and uh, Grace, <laughs> which is news to Andrew's mother, the lovely Donna Hanover, listening right now. But you have to get her a place, too, down there. That's how it works. you got to get mom and dad and everybody a place. Hey, I know. I mean, uh, That's why you can't my, move to Boynton. You can't my, move to Boynton. My wife, again, she is, she's texting right now saying no. Sid is kicking you out of New York. No, I'm not And now that he's no, 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 friends no, no. with the mayor, he's actually trying to <laughs> shove... You and the rest of the Giuliani's out of New York. Well, you know what's funny about what you just said? Yes. And again, you can't move to Boynton because, because I know there's a good school there for Grace. But if your mom and dad move there, Boynton's not nice enough. you got to go to Palm Beach or Boca. These are empty but, threats, by the way. No, these, this, this is 100% true. But <laughs> you mentioned Eric Adams. So yesterday, they ran the air, John Katz and Matides, who I love. I, I, and I say it every time, and I don't care if you think I'm blown, if I'm, uh, you know, bending over backwards. I don't care. So he runs his head yesterday, sitting friends in the morning. Yep. And they say to me, give me 12 pictures of folks that are friends of the show, that are on regularly. And, you know, Bo Deedle, Joe Tacopina, mm-hmm. Bill O'Reilly, John, my mom, which was a big deal. And I have Rudy and you. Yes. Both you guys, because yeah. you're both on all the time, and I love you both. And I had the mayor. Right. And I looked at it, and I said, I wonder if Rudy and or Andrew are going to be upset that they're part of this Hollywood Squares deal <laughs> with the mayor. and But I said to myself, first of all, they already know I'm friends with the mayor. Right. And clearly it hasn't affected our relationships. But I don't know what you guys say behind closed doors. Like at your dad's apartment on a Saturday, you may be calling me a prick. I don't know. Uh, we well, did we, a soft opening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <fine. laughs> 
<laughs> well, we keep those behind closed doors yeah. over there, Sid. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to call you the prick that no, but we call it, you it, Does it bother doors, you guys? But... That, I mean, no, it doesn't no. bother us. Right. I mean, look, the thing that bothers me is I think Eric Adams has potential to be a good mayor. That's what bothers me more than anything. And I think, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of talk. And I understand what you're talking about. He's not getting help from Albany. He's not At getting all. help from his city council. Or the federal government, but, by the way. But here's the thing. He wants to be friends with everybody. He needs to literally take the leverage of his office, and he needs to go into the districts, and he needs to say, you know what? You're not getting cashless bail done. You're not getting the discovery laws done. You're voting against this time and time again. You're not being honest with your citizens, we need to make sure we're doing everything we can to make New York better, and I'm going to do everything I can. Not just stand behind a podium, not just stand behind that podium and then go to the club, but actually go into these neighborhoods, roll up your sleeve and say, you know what, your representative not out, is not out there trying to make the city safer for you. I think that's fair. Yeah. He does go to the neighborhoods, he does, and he did sleep at the Brooklyn Terminal on Friday night. <laughs> but but I agree, and Governor David Patterson, who loves Eric Adams, said the same thing, he's got to be tougher. Right. And I don't disagree there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the city could be in better shape. I think Eric cares. But to your point, caring and doing something about it are two separate issues. Mm-hmm. And he's got to do both. Right. He has to care and do something about it. And right now the latter is not getting done quick enough. I don't disagree. Yeah. I don't. Look, I look at the other side of the glass over here, and I care to make this show better. And you could put me behind there where Lou is sitting right now, and I wouldn't know which buttons to push. This show would not be able to go on at 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. You need to actually understand the mechanisms, the levers to make this complex city into what we all know it can be, which is the best city in the world. I still think it's the greatest city in the world, oh, even with all no, these no, problems it's not. Well, that are going it. on. It's still, oh, it's stop still, it, it still is, but no, the problem is we're not fulfilling the How, how is it the best city in the world? What's I that? live here, too. I mean, the food is overpriced. Everything is overpriced. There's duty in the street. There's pee-pee in the street. There's crazy people <laughs> every 15 feet. I mean, it, it's big, big buildings. Because there's an it intangibility. It smells like you're in all summer it, long. There's an intangibility in New York. No, we got to stop no with that nonsense. It's, it's true. Right. Well, it's true. And so, Andrew, name five great things about New York that you yeah. couldn't get in another state. And don't give me intangibles. Give me something I can put my hands on. Well, I mean, I, well Kyrie Irving was going to be in that top oh, five, but I can't put him <laughs> in there anymore. <laughs> like, so I mean, I know that. that I mean, that, I my go, top five is like, totally yeah. like, for example, Like, for example, the best thing about New York is, at like 2 a.m. in the morning, you could find some place to eat. That's right? good. Could, okay, That's like, good. Like, you can't do that. That's 100% true. Curtis Lewa, there's one. Curtis Lewa. By the way, but you run the risk <laughs> if you go out at 2 o'clock in the morning and eat something in New York that you're not going to get back by 3. That, correct. <laughs> yeah, it's open, but you might, I mean, you look, might I mean, be close. I lived in South Florida. Right. And, and there's no energy there. Mm-hmm. I couldn't wait to come back. Mm-hmm. I was the only guy nearing 50 who came north. Right. And you just imagine like a movie. You're in an airport, and there's a million people going one way, and I'm the schmuck, <laughs> like in the commercial. You remember Schoolhouse Rock in the morning, interjection? Hooray, I'm for the I'm other team. Exactly right. That's me. That's me. So I get it. I, I miss the energy. I came back here. But now that I'm back, living in places like Miami, mm-hmm. visiting towns like Carmel, California, where you're on the beach, and everything is pristine and clean. Everybody says good morning. I didn't see any homeless. By the way, it's expensive, too. Right. Just ten times nicer than anywhere here in New York City. Well, New York's gotten worse. It's for cer- it's for certain. It's not the same. But but yeah, I do the same thing, that. Andrew. Does right. I'm always like, this is the best city in the world, and I still say it. I still say it, and then I, I think to myself, 
What am I nuts? Well, I love I love being Paramus, able to walk. New the Jersey streets. is nicer. Right. <laughs> I, I still love being able the to walk nice. the streets. I just I just worry about my daughter walking the streets. She can't walk the streets, but my wife yeah. and daughter walk in the streets together now. Well, it's not a big deal. It's not a it big is deal. A big deal. It's a massive deal. I mean, it's, I, it's why more families are moving out. Right. So so how can you possibly say? This is the greatest city when you're admitting you're worried about forgetting about prices or mm-hmm. whether you worry about your wife and daughter's safety. Because the, you, don't, you don't have the plethora of options that you can do in any other city. You can't go to a ball game, right, whether it be the, the Knicks, the Rangers, the Yankees. Come on. You're not going to a Miami Marlins game and getting any kind of a feeling there except for maybe the feeling you're going to oh, get tonight second. at Joe wait, Biden wait, State wait. of the Union. You'll fall asleep. If the because teams be are as many people falling asleep in the stands. Now. I went to the Heat games right. when they had James Wade and Bosch. Mm-hmm. Electric. Blew the Garden away. They were winning championships. No, better than the Garden? I mean, they the were garden, winning championships. The garden they Garden. were winning championships. Yeah. Right. We haven't won a championship in a long time. The Garden, Garden when Ewing? The during Garden the 90s. Yeah, yes. that, that was great. That right. was great. Okay. Look, I, 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 get, the best it was. I get the sports right. thing here. Right. But I've been to games in Los Angeles. Yeah. I've been to Shea Ravina Dodger games. It's intense. You see, I'm not a Broadway or cultural guy. That's not my thing. Oh, but God, just no one that, that's there, right? I mean, my wife likes that. She goes? Yeah, we went, to, we went to, for her birthday, oh, we went to Moulin Rouge. It was the first Broadway show I went to in like four years. I do the same thing. I'm like... What do you mean? We got we got Lincoln Center. They go, how often you go to Lincoln Center? I go, how am I gone? Never. <laughs> what, do you mean? what do you mean? We got Broadway. When was the last show you saw? I think Barnum in like 2003. You know? <laughs> what probably at the Garden, too. Yeah, probably so we have the all these wonderful things that none of us do. i got to tell you, for the first time in my life this year, only because of Mike Butler, a great cop who's actually helping with my house, I actually went to see the ball drop. Yeah. And it was wonderful. It was great. My wife reminds me, you're going to get her in trouble. You know, she's got a big job in real estate over here, and you're saying that we're getting out in Florida. I think her boss is listening right now, who's yeah. also named Andrew. By the way, yeah, I've come up with a name for my podcast. So make podcast. a lot more money selling real estate down in South Florida. Look at him. What do you think? Yeah. Po- no, I'm changing the subject big time. Yeah. What do you think for a podcast? Yeah, because your wife's getting pissed. Not that Andrew. I love that one. You like that one? Yeah. You is like she pissed? One? Uh, she's, she is pissed. I'm in trouble. <laughs> you're in trouble, actually, really. And now you live in my neighborhood, so you're in a lot of trouble. Oh, my God, I'm going to see you're her. In, oh, yeah. Like all the time. Oh, and she is going oh, to no, no, haunt and no, no. stalk you. I'm not going to see and her. And she's, she's going to haunt no, no, and stalk no, you. No, because you're going to be in Boynton. No, she, but she's, <laughs> she's already made the return flight by the time you move in the... Into Battery Park City, she's going to be back. You know, I know she's going to be there greeting you with like a little box of chocolates. Um, but it's sure. not going to be chocolate. I know. I every, <laughs> very funny. I know every real estate place down yeah. in South Florida. Okay, I can hook her up. Palm Beach, Boynton, Boca. She can go as south as Fort Lauderdale, Coconut Grove, Miami, whatever she wants. Whatever she's making here, right. she'll make twice as much down there. Really? 100%. Well, in that case, you know, we've got to call the boss and say she's she's done. She's done working right now. Sid told me that he can make double the yeah. amount yeah. down in Florida. Yeah. So. And guess what? She'll leave the house with yeah. Grace. You won't even worry. Man. You'll lay so, there in your box of shorts. And guess what else? Right. You can watch. This is unbelievable. You can watch the Yankees play every game. Even from Florida. No way. Really? They have that now? Unbelievable. Get out of here. Um, yes, I got MLB.com. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, but you can't go to Yankee Stadium. You can't go to sure City you can. Field. You, you can fly. How many Yankee games do you go to a year? Uh, Honestly. I, uh, you know what? Since D.C., <laughs> since living in D.C., it's been like two or three years. Okay, so you much. can fly in twice a year and go to a Yankee No, game. they have airports here. <laughs> I don't believe that. Take the train up like Joe, like Amtrak Joe. Oh, Amtrak Joe. I've done it a million times. <laughs>
Maybe I'll say that tonight at the that is, Tonight it's gonna be I'm it's gonna be tough to stay awake tonight. Yeah. And even if I didn't get up at three thirty in the morning, yeah. it'd still be tough to no, stay awake. Tough. I don't even know what tough. I'm gonna do. I figure <laughs> yeah. out some kind of nap, a pregame nap. They should have like uh that. John Lovitz host the <laughs> State of the Union tonight. See who lines more. <laughs> Lou, where will you be watching the State of the Union? Are you are you doing like a big watch party tonight? I'll be down in Florida with John Lovitz. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> are you gonna watch it for real? I'll, I'll be watching it. Will your father watch it? Yeah, he'll be watching it tonight. Will... I know you think he's going to be watching the Andy Griffith show. Well, he, like he loves that show. Why does he love that show? He whistles it all the time. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's just not true. That, that's will will your mom watch it? Uh, will Donna Hanover watch the uh, the big event tonight? Oh, yeah. She'll, she'll be will. watching. Yeah. Right she'll after watching. Floyd the Barber stops talking. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, now it's time for Sid's Take. Good luck. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Yes, it is sponsored by Peerless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com or PavilionTankless.com for a dealer near you. They are America's best built boilers. It's a Tuesday, which means Sid's Take today will be the classic two for Tuesday. Andrew, you, I was inquiring before during the break, and you said uh, music is definitely your strongest subject. Uh, it's a little weak, but I will say I got my first two pieces of fan mail here. Uh, one's a birthday card, which is very nice. The other one seems to be nice as well, but at the very end, it said, Sid is a solo act, and in parentheses, arrogance. Lou, what do you think about um, that? I'd have, to, I'd have to diagnose that a little bit closer. Okay, we're going to agree. Yeah. It is very nice. That's, I, I think nice. I give this That's to nice. Sid. I think we're going to get some fingerprints done on this. He's going to hand this to Adams. He's going to get this down to the NYPD crime lab. We're going to figure out who if actually any, sent this. If it's anything positive about Sid, you're never going to see it again. So. <laughs> <laughs> we know that. So, might as well keep it. So, the uh, game goes Tuesday, two for Tuesday. I give you two songs. You have to try to figure out who that artist is. Okay. Uh, are you ready to go, Andrew? As ready as I'll ever be. Let's get it on. Okay. Let's go question one. Or, or Ooh, we're going to start with one first. One. Good way to go, Phil. Okay, that's good. One usually. We're going that's in um, prime <laughs> number, number first. A. All right, let's go number one. <laughs> I. Question I. For this week. So, let's one. start with number one. Hold the line and Africa. The band you got to name. You have to name the band. Who are these songs by? Hold the line in at Toto. Spectacular. Wow, there we go. Nice. One for one. Hold the line. Look at that. Love isn't always on time. I think we lost some listeners in that last (laughs) episode. Band mail now ends. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of hate mail now. All right, we're going to go from number one, and uh, we're going to continue on to number two. So you have a great pace to you, i got to tell you. Yeah. Great pace. Pinball Wizard. And don't get fooled again. Who? 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 What? what? Why'd you give him yes? Wait, wait, why? Why'd you, why'd you uh, no, give him the right, right answer? Oh, because it's different, the though. Who, who? Oh, the who. The who. Yeah, yeah. That's what he said. I know what he said. <laughs> why, why are you both staring? Huh? <laughs> okay, Third number base? three. How's Brendan Fraser doing, Phil? <laughs> Not fat. Yeah, he did. Fit, fat. Number three. Am I right? Boulevard of Broken Dreams, an American Idiot. Oh, uh, Green Day. And you said you weren't good at Three for three. Look at this. Come on, bring it on, baby. I'll be shocked if you go perfect. I'm going to leave it at that. I think I will, too, but let's give it a shot. Number four, let's go with American Woman and These Eyes. Oh, man. 
I'm going to take a guess. I think I know what's wrong, but because I think he did the remix. I don't know who did the original one. Lenny Kravitz? Good guess. Uh, Good guess uh, he did the original. He did the I remake of American Woman, right? Yeah. Yes. It's but, the guess who. Uh, the guess who. Not the who. The guess, guess who. who. Uh, okay, I should. And uh, Susha did there. Yeah. Finally. Maybe. Hot take here. We're going to close it out with number five. Okay. Number five. <laughs> um, v. Number V. Don't eat the yellow snow, and why does it hurt when I pee? These are songs. These are These songs. Are, I feel like this like, is like a YouTube artist or something like that. Um, honestly, so you'd be a YouTube artist today, but really? not quite. Yeah. Don't eat yellow pee and why does <laughs> well, it hurt not when I pee? You, you, you mix them up. Don't eat the yellow snow and why does it hurt when I pee? Both urine. Uh, I'm going with Curtis Lee. This sounds yet. like something that Curtis Lee would, would sing. It's Curtis Lewa. You hit the wrong button. I'm correct. Four for five. You hit the wrong button. It's Curtis Lewa. Oh, it is. It is. I win that one. Moolah schmoolah snow. I win. You did. I'll I'll uh, I'll announce who it was because Sid's already in here. He got four out of five. How do you know? I don't. I just guessed. No, he got three. Are out you ready? Of five. He got three. I'm out going out of five. to um, <laughs> Rosanna Scotto's restaurant. Fresco for lunch today. You want to come? Spot. Yes. Okay. We're in. I'll be there at twelve thirty. You should come at three. <laughs> I think it closes. At three. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait a second. My ads. My math's not really adding up there. Yeah. Okay. You ready? Hey, are you going to start with one again? Uh, I'm going to start with four okay. this time. Okay. okay, let's try to go. Uh, Sid, are you ready? You're not even looking. I'm ready. Okay. Uh, he got three out of five, by the way. My math is wrong. Three out of five. You number one. To win. Number one. Let's start with number one here. Hold the line in Africa. Toto. Correct. Number two. Pinball wizard and won't get fooled again. The who? Was this game written for cards? Well, That's why I'm able to get three. <laughs> <laughs> it is Sid's take. Yeah. We are writing it for specific. Anyway, number three, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Oh, I hate this scumbag. An American. Oh, I hate Billy yeah, Joe. I hate Green Day. Oh, I hate him. <laughs> why do you hate him? I like that song. They're crazy. One September ends. Oh, it's a good song. They're good songs. He's, yeah, yeah. Good good song. He's liberal, Phil. Very. What he's actually said, no. America's a horrible place. Yeah, he's he's a crazy. but not like New York City. The greatest no, city he the said world. America's a horrible place. Yeah. Right, but Just, if I want to crap on New York City, I live here. It's okay. Not some uh, punk from uh, England with bad teeth and hair under his arms. Is he from America? England? Uh, uh, UK, yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. No, he's American. Well, what are you talking? He's thinking of the Beatles. My story's better. They were on Ed Sullivan the other night. Number four, American woman. And these eyes. Oh, see, a bunch of people did American Woman, but you're the one. These eyes, these eyes, I never, never. Oh, man. Oh, it's too easy, though, right? No, because I think <laughs> American Woman, I, I actually think, believe it or not, of Lenny Kravitz. Ah, I said, that's what I said. Yeah, I, I knew, love I knew Lenny, it was wrong. That's but me, I know it's wrong, too, because yeah. I got to think of who did these eyes. And never... Frankie Valley, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> who was it? The Guess Who. The guess who? The guess who? Right. I got that okay. one wrong as well. So wait, I'm, I may tie you here. You may no, right. no, you may win. You, you well, it depends what I do here. This is very exciting. Yeah. This yeah, is. This if is I win, I, I, if I get this. I win. People are on the edge and of we, their car seats. Right I got now. an artist here that you're a huge fan of, so you're probably going to get it. Okay. Don't eat the yellow snow, and why does it hurt when I pee? <laughs> you know this. You listen to them all the time. You want to ask me the real question now? No, that's actually it. That's the question. Stop I, it. I'm not kidding. I guess Curtis Lee. This is what happens when you leave Phil alone in the other studio. See? Well, that's well, not Well, you just can't write stuff oh, like this. That's right. Other, why? What did you guess? Curtis Lee was. It's probably not a bad answer. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was, All right, I'm going to go with, um, it's clearly a rap thing or something, because that's what they 
Right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's typical, <laughs> typically rap artists. Yeah. Yo, rap yo, yo, rap. the snow is yellow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go with um, Orange Juice Jones. That's what that is. <laughs> 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 what was Orange Juice big hit again? It's fine, Albert. What was it? Frank Zappa. Oh, Titties and Beer. One of the greatest songs ever. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> That's a, actually, Frank Zappa should have gotten that. Got him in the rock We played to a 3-3 three, three tie, buddy. Yeah, I know. How about that? How about that? It's exciting. It's okay. like kissing your sister. That's right. Like, like living in Boynton. A big old session. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll be back and wrap learn. things up right after this. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Nice. The guess who? These eyes as we wrap up the Tuesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning, the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City, the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. When I did that yesterday, Scott Kaplan loved it. He loved it. He saw me last night in the hotel. I was going upstairs. He was just coming in from a meeting, and he goes, Hey, man, aren't you the host of the self-proclaimed best talk show in America? I'm like, that's me, bitch. That's right. I self-proclaimed it. What, what was it like being in the same hotel as him? I know you've organized all that. I how did, did that do work? that. Yeah, how yeah, was it? It was cool. It was cool? I mean, we yeah. actually went through a long period of time. I think I explained this uh, right. a couple of days ago. We didn't like each other very right. much. Really, it was more him not liking me. Yeah. Because whenever people get fired, they always blame me. Like, Noam did that for years. Yeah. Noam blamed me for years. And Noam was right. He was probably right. Yeah. Details. <laughs> <laughs> It always ends that way, and um, so just know that going in, that there's a chance right. that this relationship, which is beautiful right now, right. could end ugly. It's going to happen when we live in the same neighborhood. That's when it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm coming in the next couple of months. I am it coming. Is. I don't know if we're, I don't know if I'm going to get invited to the party in June at your place. Yes, you'll be there. 100%. I don't know. One hundred percent. You didn't invite me to the your Super Bowl party on Sunday. You didn't that's, invite me. That's because you're zero for three. Dad is not sending you any more invitations now. <laughs> he has said he's revoking you. Is he's, that right? He is citing the sit and friends rule that zero for three you get no more. That's so. actually the Larry gonna, Kudlow rule that I, I called it. <laughs> Larry Kudlow. Well, there you go. Sorry, uh, well, listen, you will great to you back on Thursday. Back Thursday. All right. Give my regards to your beautiful wife. Hope she feels better. Your lovely mom, your daughter, your father. I love all the Giuliani's. Lewis, great job today. Macedonia, Phil, certainly Deb Valentine. No late and always a terrific job. We're back again tomorrow at 6. you got a big guest list tomorrow. All week long, in fact. Keep it right here. Sid Rosenberg, Andrew Giuliani, the whole crew. Back again at 6. Until then, New York City. Peace.